It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix fear, paranoia, and some awesome special effects? Why you get the thing. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And of course, uh, the <laughs> the noise creak means I'm in a different chair than I normally am because uh, I'm doing a special episode for this one, and it's because we're recording it actually at my place of work. Um, so there might be a little bit more of an echo, and hopefully I got rid of most of it. Uh, but this also means that we have a very special guest here, and why don't you go ahead and say hello? Hello, everyone. <laughs> so this is Susie, and Susie and I work together. Um, we've known each other for about eight months now. You, you were saying, uh, I thought it was only six, but you're telling yeah. me that it's eight, so I'm going to believe you over me, <laughs> because sometimes my memory's not the best. I started in May. You that's, started in May, that's Jesus. eight months, right? So we're not going to say where we work, because, no. you know... I don't need the fan people coming after us. Both. Totally. <laughs> because, you know, there's tons of people clamoring to, like, blow down my door or whatever because I do this podcast or whatever. But, um, no, Susie, actually, it's funny because you you had asked and I said, oh, yeah, I do do a podcast and stuff. And you listen to it. And then you've been bugging me for how long? Eight months. Eight months. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, well, I didn't want to be on a podcast. Um I think I just wanted to see how you did it because I was interested in starting my own. Uh But then I was like, no, I love scary movies. Yeah. Like, let's do this. Yeah, we've been talking about, like, for a while, I think, when there were weekends of different scary movies come out. Oh, have you seen this yet? And then you always come out, you're like, have you done this for your podcast yet? Have you done this? Have you done that? You've done them all. And I've done the ones that you've asked. Yeah. And then you're like, why do you focus on old shit? You do. (laughs) Hence today. (laughs) Hence today. Yeah, but today was done specifically because, uh, you know... The uh, Dave who does, and you don't know who Dave is, um, but Dave does the podcast from another world, which is the bonus podcast that comes on. And he wanted to do the thing from another world, 
which is what this before. movie is based off mm-hmm. of, right? It's a remake of that film. Yeah. And that film, surprisingly enough, stars Leslie Nielsen, which is always kind of a weird thing to me. Like, cause, Who is that? Well, okay. <laughs> the other thing you have to recognize uh, for this is you're a lot younger than I am. Yes. So there's some things I'm 26, like... <laughs> but I'm going on 27, so... Yeah. Ooh. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's like, uh, you remember the Naked Gun movies? Do you know any of those? Oh, man, you're going to hate me oh, this whole podcast. Oh, this is the way it's going to go. <laughs> um, but he was he was more known as a comedian in his later years, and he started off being a kind of a serious actor, and then he found his comedic uh, niche as it went along, right? Um, and he did, basically, he's... Uh, I don't know, he's a white-haired guy. Like, if mm. I showed you a picture, you might know who he is, but you don't necessarily know who he is. I can get that, like, feeling. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. So he is, uh, you know, for me growing up, it was the comedic guy. That's who that was in, okay. in those movies. And they're like, it's like, I'm going to probably do this again. Have you ever seen a movie like Airplane? Uh, have you ever seen a scary movie? Movie? Yeah. Okay. You know how those are like parodies yes. of horror mo- movies. So that's that. So that's the kind of? Naked Gun movies were kind of a parody of like cop shows. It started as Police Squad, and then it moved into the Naked Gun. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that Patrick out there that's listening, if I don't say something right, he's going to totally like, no, you didn't do the, you messed up already. But <laughs> basically, so yeah, Police Squad was the original show, and it was not. I don't remember it being on for that long, and I definitely don't remember it because it's not. As a kid, it wasn't something that I watched. Mm-hmm. And then the Naked Guns were from the files of Police Squad. So they were like movies that were continuations of the show. But a lot of it was like, it was like the parody cop drama. But the guy is just so aloof. That's the whole like point of it. Like he's a detective and he's a policeman and he's decent at what he does. But he's just an idiot at the same time. So that's yeah. the way that it was played, and that's how he got famous in my eyes, because I really loved those movies. And he was in Airplane too, actually, as well, <laughs> um, which is a, uh, another one of those, like, it's an Ivan Reitman, or maybe, um, maybe it's not Ivan Reitman, but um, but it's th- those type of, like, comedic parody type of things. Mm-hmm. And he's done that since. He did another movie called Spy Hard, much later on, Man. which is a parody of spy movies. Was I... I'm- do I, I don't know, know anything about anything? <laughs> you know plenty, and you, you had to sit down and watch the thing. <laughs> I did. I really did. So uh, I'm going to come out and say it. Like yeah. Everybody's probably going to know what my rating is for the end of this movie, but I really, really love this movie. And there's a reason why I love this movie, and it's because it's definitely one of the first horror films that my dad and I connected with yeah, because yeah. he loves the thing from another world. Like The Andromeda Strain and this, those two movies are – and uh, and all those old, like, The Day the Earth Stood Still, and um, I can't remember the other damn movie that, that they did. But he loves all that old sci-fi type things, and he was always excited to show me these types of movies. And so when, you know, The Thing came out, when I was but a wee babe, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was only, like, two when this movie came out. And so when I came of age to watch it after we've seen the original, then he's like, okay, let's watch this together. He had never really seen it. He thought that it was more my speed. Turns out that at that time probably wasn't the right movie to be showing me with everything that happens in the film. But 
it was like my first delve into John Carpenter as a director. You know, Halloween and everything, those exist, but I wasn't much of a scary movie guy. I was more of a sci-fi movie kid when I was a little kid. And so this was like, it was really cool because Kurt Russell also started to become big in my life and to see him in this mm-hmm. film and, and at least you know who he is. <laughs> Barely? Barely from Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe? Kurt volume Russell 2? Was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was in Volume 2. He was the oh, dad. Oh, okay. I didn't really watch Volume 2. It, oh, okay. It just kind of like went someone over. Someone told me it wasn't very good. Really? And I loved the first one. So I was like, oh. I don't think I want to ruin it for myself. The second one's pretty good, too. It's not as good as the first because the first was like something. Wait, the the dad, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's Kurt Russell. Okay. Wow. Yeah, see? Wow. <laughs> so this everything is, comes this is together. Gonna, yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is the way the rest of the, the episode's going to be like. It's going to be like, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, I think I started watching and I told somebody about it. And they were like, oh, yeah, Kurt Russell. And I was like, who? I don't yeah, know who that Kurt is. Kurt Russell is. I think if you show me a picture, I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, I've seen that guy in so many things. Oh, yeah. But I don't think I've ever been like, Kurt Russell, that's his name. That's the actor's name. So do you know the guy that played Childs? Do you recognize him at all? Do you at least recognize the voice? Childs. Yeah, that's don't... Keith David. No, so, see, these names so the, are just going to go way over my So head. Keith David, um, for me, is more of a voice actor type okay. guy. Like, he's done, he did the voice of Spawn for the animated series for Spawn. Did you ever watch Gargoyles at all? Gargoyles, yeah. He was the voice of Goliath, the main guy okay. in Gargoyles. Okay, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, this whole episode is just going to be me going, be, wow. Wow. So, like, to see him in this role, like, much later on, recognize that it's him. The other one, he's in, um, he's in They Live. Which is a another John Carpenter movie with Roddy Roddy Piper. Uh, it's famous. If you're gonna go see it, go watch it just for the fight scene between him and Roddy Roddy Piper about him putting on the sunglasses. Um, I don't know if you watch South Park at all. Do you? I did. I used to. Okay. Did you ever see the episode with Timmy and Jimmy when Timmy first or Jimmy first came around and they had the fight in the parking lot about him putting on the hat? Put yes, on, put, vaguely put, put, familiar. Put on the hat, you know, that, that thing. Okay. That's the exact replica of that fight from They Live. Oh, so, I wow. Yeah. So if I watched it, that reference went right over my head. Yep. But <laughs> it's that, we're not talking about They Live. We're talking about The Thing. Right, right, right. So right. we're much Back different. So, yeah. So you keep you kept on asking me for what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And finally yeah. I said, okay, I'm doing The Thing. I'm doing guests at the beginning of the, the month, so let's go ahead and let's bring you on for the thing. So you yeah. need to watch the thing. So I think is that's pretty much your extent <laughs> with the movie, right? Yeah. Um, I actually feel like you chose the thing because you wanted me to see the thing. Unless you had these like planned. Because I always talk to you about like movies that are recent or movies from my childhood. And you're like, you know what, Susie? We're going we're gonna to bring you back to the 80s. That's right. And am I it, forcing me to watch the thing? Jesus. It's, it wasn't a choosing a movie for you. I just felt like like when I thought about it and I knew that you hadn't seen it and it was part of it's part of the plan too. I had right. originally already kind of thought about doing this movie, whether I was going to do it myself or not. That was great. But because I did Big Trouble in Little China, the episode before this, I really wanted to have a guest because that was going to have a guest. 
And instead of me going into the pool of people that have already been on, um, which, you know, the it's very few that have been on. Um, and especially since Dave did that other episode, I didn't want to bring him on. I feel He's so just special. been there. But the other thing that it was because you've never seen it. And because it would be a movie for me and it's going to be a movie for me where I'm probably still going to gush over it as we talk about it mm-hmm. and why I like it. It's always good to get a good perspective and a brand new perspective on Ooh, the movie. You're going to hate I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to hate you. I promise. It's not up to me. It's up to the listeners. Oh, they're going to hate me. Oh, God. <laughs> but the thing is, is that I don't, you know, as, as everybody that kind of listens to this know, I don't, even if I love the movie, there are still things that I find wrong with the movie. And that we could be in those same levels, but there are things in this that I absolutely love in the way that it's done. And maybe we have a common connection on some of them, maybe right. not all of them. Now, the one thing that you would ask me, too, is what clips am I going to play? And uh, you don't know. No, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> but they're all major parts of the movie. And, and the thing is, is that I'm going to say there's a couple of long clips in the film because I thought about cutting them up. Okay. But then it just doesn't make any sense to cut it. Because I'm cutting it right in the middle of the scene and it's all connected. Now, long as being like, I think there's one that's like 2.30 or something like that. Okay. Most of them are about a minute long a piece. That's about where. And the beginning of the film is relatively short on dialogue. You know, I'd say the first 30 yeah, minutes of the film. That. And then it, it gets into it and then it kind of goes short again as you get towards the end of the film. Yeah. Uh, so majority of the stuff you're going to hear is going to be right from the middle, that second act of the film. So... Um, if you're ready to start talking oh. about the film or if there's right. anything else you want our listeners to know about you before we get into the film, um, just oh, let no. me know. I'm, I'm ready. Oh, she's I ready have, to go. I have notes. I have my computer. I have notes. I know. She came prepared. She I comes prepared most, uh, more than other people that I've, uh, talked to on this podcast. I've listened to your podcast and I'm like, how do you know so much? What the heck? So I'm like, you know what? I can't just show up and be like, <laughs> just show. Um, well, you can see like my, my notepad here of uh, chicken scratch. That yeah. this is uh, one of these days. I'm going to take a picture of all the nose pads because I think this is like number maybe twelve or thirteen. Maybe twelve. Yeah, I, I keep all my notes. So from oh, the beginning God. of the podcast. But the thing is, is that it's changed a lot from when I originally started. Mm-hmm. When I originally was actually writing scripts. So, like, I'd, yeah. I'd do it, and then okay. I'd write the whole thing out, and then I would go get the audio that I needed, and then I would come back. And it took so much longer, and now it's all based upon Dude, notes. the energy. You Ugh. had some energy. Ugh. More energy back then than I did now. So, let's go ahead and just dive right into the beginning of the film. So, mm-hmm. the beginning of the film, basically, it starts in Antarctica, and you see a dog running across the snow. And there's a helicopter that's chasing after it, mm-hmm. and they're just basically taking pot shots at the dog. Mm-hmm. You don't know why. You know that there's something kind of going on. And honestly, there is another thing, and I know we Ooh. didn't talk about it uh, in the beginning, but there was a prequel. So the thing that's from 2011 actually tells you what happens to the, to the Norwegians mm. that we meet um, and why they're chasing after the dog. Okay. So that whole thing gets kind of explained, and there is a sequel to the thing, but it's a video game. So the video does game does that even count as a sequel? It does because it actually tells the story, the story? of everything okay. that happens after, and you get to meet uh, McGreedy again during that game, and you actually find out what happens to Childs at the game. I know we're jumping way ahead, right? And, and honestly, this is—I feel that this is a hard movie to see right now because it's not streaming anywhere. 
that you have to buy you, it. You have to buy it or you have to rent it. And so I thank you for renting the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and and uh, Universal also thanks you for renting yeah. the movie. <laughs> sure. <as well. laughs> so there there are other mediums that are out there, and there's actually a very nice double pack that you can buy a Blu-ray that contains this movie and the prequel. And I thought about watching the this prequel before. This is not before. sponsored by the thing. This is by not the way. sponsored by the thing. <laughs> this is but, just Brian. Go buy it. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that if you if you have seen it, you know it. You can get through it. And if you have never seen it, like Susie, I actually say stop the podcast right now, watch it, then come back to the podcast because I feel that some things get can get ruined for those that have never seen it. 100%, and you yeah. want your first reaction while you watch the movie. So yeah. So they're taking shots at the dog. Yes. And going through the snow. Yes, I hated it. I hated it the whole time. As soon as it started, I was like, why? Dude, leave the dog alone. Look at this yeah, dog. Yeah, but you He's know so why. Cute. Come on. Well, well now you do. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Even in the beginning, it's very clear that humans don't just go out of their way to kill this dog. Something's going on. And then, you know, you know the premise of the movie enough to know that it's a horror sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. So you're like, something's up with this dog. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter that I knew that the dog was maybe like the thing. It didn't matter. I was like, don't you dare hurt this well, dog in front of me. Maybe he stole a bunch of food from them or something like that. Maybe this is like the, the Robin starve. Hood of dogs. Then, then starve. Then starve. Listen, the dog is a dog, okay? It's cute as hell. <laughs> well, we're not even actually starting in the snow. We're first starting actually with a spaceship, right? That comes yeah. through the credits. Now, the credits oh I have God. the biggest problem with Thank because you. they are – it's just like a lot of nothing. And it's very hey, slow. Hey, dude, like you, that's you like the, the theme music. of the entire movie for me. <laughs> oh. A whole lot of nothing. Oh, we definitely are going to have problems. Yeah, we are going to have problems. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just – it takes so so long to get to the point that you see like the spaceship like it's just black on white uh, text that right. you see up there. Yeah. Universal picture, blah 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 blah, and then you see the spaceship go by, and that's when the thing logo like comes out, and it's just interesting because you're where you kind of figure you are later in the film, mm-hmm. you don't know exactly when that takes place, like. You're thinking that that happens almost instantaneously from where you go and then something happens and then they're chasing the dog mm-hmm. like right away. So when we get, were explained about time frames with that thing, it still doesn't make much sense to me. Like, okay, it it's, gives you that error of um, like unknown, like just this has happened. Like you you don't. You're such a loss for time in this movie about when did this happen and there's so many questions. Like, that's why I think that the the second, the prequel wasn't necessarily needed because I like it and need nor a sequel because I like that it's all contained just within this. And yeah. you still have plenty of questions that yeah. you can ask yourself at the end of the movie as well as the beginning. Well, why did this happen? You know, even though I, I don't like that they they place like so many years in between, you know, when they first discover the thing that the Norwegians do. But I think I'm getting way ahead of myself so in ahead. talking with that. So we're at the dog. <laughs> so Love we're still at the, the dog. dog. Love him. Her? Don't know. Love him. So the dog is running through the snow. It's still being chased. And then yeah. we see... Uh, Wait, can we talk about something? This was really weird. Sure. So the dog... Um, meets the other humans, the Americans. So, yeah, I'm about to get to there in a second. Okay. So, because that was weird. Well, the first thing before we get to the other Americans is we get to be introduced into McCready. Yeah. And he's sitting there inside of Blanches. his little thing. 
And that's where we're going to start is with McCready actually playing against that machine. Uh, and he has chess? kind of a, yes, chess, uh, because we're not going to say what I said last time. No, no, no. Chess wizard. <laughs> chess wizard. The chess wizard. Um, and I think it's a good introduction into the character. Your move, bishop to knight four. My move, knight to rook three. Poor baby, you're starting to lose it, aren't you? So he is losing against the machine and he's automatically like, well, first what we're kind of given into him is that we see everybody else kind of like playing ping pong and they're all hanging out, but he's over there by Secluded. himself mm-hmm. in his little thing, just drinking yeah, and playing against computer. And he can't even take the fact that he's going to lose that game. No. Like he can't take it so much that he pours his drink. I know. How expensive is that machine for that time? I, I, <laughs> he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's just like, I'm going to take my... And then how much alcohol is he wasting to just destroy that machine at the same time, too? Like, he just poured that fucking brandy for himself. Yeah. Which is J&B, and J&B is terrible. I'm sorry. If you like it, ugh. I don't like uh, brown liquor, so I'm out. Oh, so you're totally out. I'm See? Out. Oh. Been out. But yeah, he takes his whole glass and just pours it out, and that's when you cut back over to the Norwegians, and you see them bringing the dog, basically chasing the dog back into the camp. Yeah. And so the dog, he sees, and everybody hears the commotion. They hear that the helicopter's coming. They all rush outside to mm-hmm. see what's going on, uh, except for McCready right away. Like, he kind of comes into the situation a little later than yeah. that. But they are all out there. The dog runs up to the group of humans, mm-hmm. and you're going to say something about them running up to the So humans. weird. So they're watching this helicopter try to shoot this dog. And they're all, like, zombies. They're just, like, watching. They say nothing to each other. They're just standing there. And then the dog runs up to them, and they're like, oh, all right. And then it starts shooting at them, and they're like, oh, that's not good. And they just move out of the way. You're just like, react, do something, say something. Like, stop, what are you doing? Take cover, like, something. And they're just kind of standing around Yeah, that is a little odd. That's so weird. I could not, I'm like... Are you all aware that these humans are trying to kill a dog? Does that not seem so bizarre that you have to be like, like, what the fuck is going on? Saying something, anything. They didn't say anything. It was so weird. Well, it's it's also weird, too, because at, as they're shooting the dog, they're trying to figure out other ways to take out the dog. And so they grab, like, a grenade out of the back, and they're throwing it out the helicopter. Yeah. And just like you said... There's no reaction from the Americans. None. It's just American way to just try to fucking blow up yeah. animals or whatever it is, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, that seems like a sport. Oh, this this sounds like fun. Hey, let's just go ahead and lob a couple things at them. And, like, they're just enjoying the spectacle that's going on. They're like, hey. I wouldn't even say enjoying. There's not a smile. There's not no, a there's, cough. No, there's nothing. You're there's right. There's nothing. They're just staring. And I'm like, that's just unrealistic, in my opinion. I don't see myself out in the snow watching a dog getting shot at and being like. Hey. What's, what's going on here? No. Oh, this is exciting. Yeah, hey, look. anything. Dude, even the way you sound right now is more exciting <laughs> than they were, like, doing anything. 
I didn't so, like that. I thought so it was unrealistic. They basically, the dog runs for cover with the group of Americans and mm-hmm. it jumps on uh, the one guy, the balding guy first, and is like looking at him. I am so bad with names when Me it too. comes to names in movies. We'll call him the balding the, guy. We'll call him the balding guy. Can yeah. we call Kurt Russell the guy with the weird hat? Let's call him that. Well, we can talk about the weird We're hat when it comes to talk about his weird hat. It comes to that. We will. Uh, but yeah, at least him. I know he's McCready. I know Keith David is Childs. I really, I know there's Jerry, which I think is the uh, the main commander of this mission. And you don't even know the reasons why they're even like here in this place at the same time. Yeah. Like, why are they out here in Antarctica? They're basically just waiting for everything to to whatever come get them when the time is up. Uh, the army just sent these people out there for whatever reason it is, and um, we'll hear a little bit bit about that in just a second. But it's it's like you said, amazing how these guys just all of a sudden are just kind of looking and you see them throw the grenades and they don't do anything. They don't say anything to anybody else at all. And then after that, when the guys land, it's so fucking stupid. Like they grab the, the another mm-hmm. flashbang grenade or thermal yeah. grenade, whatever are you it gonna is. Are going to talk about the snow? Because that was weird. Which part of the snow? When he like tries to like, cover the grenade with the snow. I thought I he was trying he was to. Trying... He's trying to dig it out of the snow. Is what he's trying to do. All he did was bury it. I don't know. What yeah, he was it would just to do. just kept falling. Like just one of them is smart because he just gets the fuck out of there. Yeah, completely. the other one's like, let's find it. Why? And I was like, no, I don't want it to destroy. I get it. You don't want it to destroy the helicopter. Maybe you can get it. But after it no, falls dude. that deep into the snow, yeah. just get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Don't don't even or just get in the fucking helicopter and fucking take off. Don't try to find the next thing. At least yeah. somehow escape. I, I don't know. So it's you see them blow that up. And then the Norwegian guy walks over towards them. And as he's walking, they don't say anything like, hey, what's up? What the fuck? Stop. Hey, everything Terrible. okay? Nope, what's nothing. going on? Yeah. Nope. They just allow him to start shooting at them. Yep. And, and then one of them even gets shot. Yep. And, and they're still like... Well, like, the only one what? that does show some emotion is Jerry, the the leader that's back inside the base. Because the moment the shots ring out and he sees that his guys got shot, that's when he breaks the glass and he starts shooting back. Right. That's an action. But yet again, no emotion. Just like, <laughs> that's not good and this is how you respond with an action. Here are some guns. Like, well, you know, you're <laughs> out there in the, you know... In, in the wild for so long and you're freezing cold and maybe just don't okay. give a shit anymore. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. You're out there alone, secluded. It's cold. Uh, this is your first, like, just anything happening to you, action of any kind, and you respond with nothing. And how would you know that That's... the Norwegians weren't out there? They're, like, very surprised that there were even other people, like, near them <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Like, if you're intelligence, you're part of the army, you probably already know that somebody else is out there. Like, why else would you be there? Yeah. Aren't you looking out at other people, like, trying to figure out what's no, going on? No, they're just on? playing chess wizard and well, destroying their chess That's all wizard. he's doing. That's, that's all they were doing. I mean, <laughs> well, I don't know what else they were trying They're all playing ping pong. And they're playing ping pong. What are they trying to do? They, they have no idea what's going on around them. <laughs> so... Basically, the guy with the gun, the Norwegian, he starts spouting something, and there are no subtitles, so it's right. all meant to keep you in, in like a fog of mystery, right? So the whole that you, time. you're not sure what's yeah. going on, because that's setting up the paranoia that the movie's going to try to put 
cross as you watch the rest of the movie. You really have no idea of anything. You just know that the dog is being shot at. Why is it being shot at? We don't know why. I've never explained. We know that the Norwegians are bumbling idiots because they fucking drop the grenade in the fucking snow. Like, he pulls... He sees that there's the group of people over there, and he's getting ready to throw it, and he just pulls the pin, and then he's just like, hmm, okay. Uh, and then he, like, when he goes to throw it, it, like, falls back. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so ridiculously no stupid. Usually when you throw something, it goes forward. Can we talk about that the best acting for that entire scene was the dog? <laughs> That's right. Think about it. That dog is... Like, a trained actor for sure, because it was just like, it would go, and then it would stop and look back and be like, oh no, I'm being shot at, and start running. So much emotion. Like, that dog? Well, and I was actually thinking about that when I was watching it again, because there's things about the dog, and you can get that, even if, you know that everything's about, you know, the the thing, because mm-hmm. you see the trailer and everything, you know what you're getting into. And it, because the movie's been around so long that people know exactly what they're getting into when they're watching this movie. Not me, though. But, I didn't even watch the trailer. Just but, like FYI. Well, yeah, but you can tell right away, just by the dog's actions, mm-hmm. that something's not right with the dog. Right. Right? And I think that's a really cool thing that they did in whomever the, the dog trainer was and the reactions from it. Because you see, like you're just saying, how it stops, it looks back, and then even when it gets to the group of people, and it stops, and it's looking at them like, dude, you gotta help me. Like, that's the emotion that it's being put on its face, right? And it's, but it's like, it's that, dude, you gotta help me, like, shifty eye type of thing. Like, it's like trying to be like a cat, right? Like, the cat's like, it only wants you to do something. The acting award because it's acting like a cat. That's right. Are you trying to tell me whether you're a cat person, whether you're a dog person? I'm I'm a both person. We know this. I'm saying is that cats only want you to do shit for them. Dogs love you unconditionally. And this dog wants just you to do shit, which is basically stop that guy over there. So it's, it's showing emotion as the thing because it doesn't want to get caught right and just like you know the cat did something over there but it doesn't want to get caught so it's going to love on you for a little bit we guess dogs do the same thing too you know tears something up chews something up poops in the corner or something like that and i don't want you to know about about it cats are more like aloof you know and dogs are very transparent about what they've done yeah yeah (laughs) you couldn't see brian's face but he impersonated a dog (laughs) Nice. So, but that's kind of what the, but the dog's face, it's not the, like, oh shit, I'm in trouble. It's very stoic still, but you can get that, you can infer from it that something's not quite right and right. that it's playing on the humans versus and, just being like, oh my God, like, save me. And you like that predictability? I didn't like the, the predictability. I just like that you can, you can, can infer that from it, that something's not quite right, but you don't know what it is just yet. Okay. That's the right? whole movie. Well, that, and then that's, that's what I mean in terms of how it starts from how it plays through the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. You're getting it right at the beginning from the dog, but you may not realize that right away. Like, if you're really, like, looking into the movie, if you're just watching the movie and just enjoying the movie, like, oh, I'm just watching this for the hell of it. You you may not get it, but if you look back on it, then you say, oh, you've known from the beginning of the film. Like, it's not, it wouldn't be as surprising, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Even though it may be, you know, to certain people, they may figure that out right away. You know, because we, again, we saw an alien ship, so we know there's something to do with aliens right. in the beginning. Right. Like, I could have done without that. I think if it just had started as that black screen, then fade into the thing, yeah. and then we see the dog chasing... There would be 
you would not ha- be able to infer that right away, right. right? But it's still, I still think that it holds up because you don't know what that plays into the whole thing just yet. Okay. We're going to say the thing a lot. See, the thing is that, and I'm going to say that a lot. Like I realized, like, I just said the thing like seven fucking times in one whole thing. It's called the thing. It's totally fine to do it. So we go back and we see now that they basically, so happening down to the point that the Norwegian guy <laughs> was running after, he shoots the guy in the leg. Well, yeah. it grazes his leg. And then the dog runs, is running towards the, like, the building that's there. And he's still chasing and trying to shoot it. And he's shooting out and the... I guess the, you could say the captain, the leader, whatever his name, Jerry's, he had bashed out the windows and he's shooting at the dog or he's not shooting at the dog. He's shooting at the guy shooting at the dog. Yeah. Um, and because there's shots fired, he thinks that they're firing at them. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up taking the guy out. He shoots him in the head and it kills the guy. Yeah. And then the dog is now saved and he's like huddling around everybody. So from there we cut inside and we, one, we see the guy getting up the stitches and, and we little learn a little more about what's kind of going on out there. Yeah. Oh, come on. Four stitches. Barely grazed you. What were they doing flying that low? Shooting at a dog. At us. Mm, stir crazy. Cabin fever. Who knows? U.S. number 31 calling McMurdo. Come in. Over. U.S. number 31 calling McMurdo. Urgent. Come in. Over. Great. Come on. Come on. Nobody. Nobody. Get a hold of somebody. Get a hold of anybody. we got to report this mess. Look, I haven't been able to reach shit in two weeks. I doubt if anybody's talked to anybody on this entire continent, and you want me to reach somebody. So... From here, we can kind of infer that they're kind of gone stir-crazy, right? They want to get the fuck out of this. Yeah. They're stuck there. Uh, we do see, we do meet uh, Mr. Diabetes himself, Wilfred Brimley, uh, there at the beginning of it. That's the guy that plays Blair, uh, the doctor. That's, I guess, one of the main doctors that's on site. But there's three total. There's him, there's the guy with the beard, and then there's the guy with the crazy hair. Um, I want to know who... The guy is that looks like Hyde from that 70s show. What's his name? That's, is it's, that? You know exactly who I'm talking Fuchs? about. Fuchs? The guy who had the glasses. Yes, that's the other doctor. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, that's, I think, <laughs> I think that's, like Hyde. I think his name is Fuchs. Fuchs. Even though it's spelled, as you can see up there, Fuchs. Um, <laughs> just F-U-C-H-S. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so uh, that's Joel Polis. Uh, we we have notes up on the screen, by the way, when I say up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you have those three doctors. So you've got, uh, you know, Fuchs. You've got Blair, who's Wilford Brimley. Uh, and then you've got Cooper, uh, who's played by Richard Dryhart, who I'm not really sure what else he's been in. But Wilford Brimley always has a special place in my heart because he was with The NeverEnding Story. Uh, and I always remember him from the first movie, and that's one of my favorite like fantasy movies as a kid. And then, of course, as you're home watching TV during the day when when I was a kid, he's always the guy talking about diabetes and diabetes testing supplies. And there's that one remix where they mix uh, Amadeus by Falco, but it's with him. So it's like diabetes, 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 diabetes. Let's see. So, yeah. yeah, see, yeah, you can see over there. You're like, yeah, I really don't know. It's not. You have to be there, man. <laughs> I had to be born in the '80s, man. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> At least I wasn't born in the '70s. 
Jeez. Like my sister. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah, it's like late seventies. Okay, so okay. It's one of those things where like where people are like, I'm a nineties baby, but I was born ninety nine. You're not a nineties baby. You're not a nineties you're, baby. You're, you're, yeah, you're two thousand. Thank 2000s. you so much for saying that. Yeah, there you go. Okay, if you're like ninety five and up, you're not born in the nineties. You have to live through I, I, the nineties. I could give you ninety five because you could have five years in the nineties and you can remember at least one of them. But if you're born ninety eight I didn't no. remember anything. It didn't influence your wardrobe. It didn't influence anything, okay? Mm-hmm. I had tracksuits. Your tracksuits? Well, like, the ones that make noise. What are those called? Yeah, they're tracksuits. Okay, the I The ones that those. you can they're just, like, like rip off? No. They're, like, well, kind, some kind of them, of, I'm some sure. Of them, but they the... make, like, those noises when you, like, walk. Yes. <laughs> yes, because they're, like, windbreaker tracksuits. Windbreaker, yes. Yeah, of course. See, Let's 90s. bring those back. No, let's not. Wow. Like, it's like Jinko jeans. Don't bring that shit back. I don't either. know what that is. Jinko jeans were during the 90s, by the way. Jingo? Jinko? Jinko. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. They're, they're the jeans that had like the ton of like shit on the outside of them. It looked like they had a bunch of pockets. It's like cargo pants before cargo pants were really yes. a big thing. Let's bring those back. No, let's hey, not. Hey, women don't really have pockets like that. So if you can bring those back. <laughs> you know, that's the same thing my wife complains about all the time. Yeah. That's how you get excited when you wear a dress and it has pockets and you're like, fuck, <laughs> this is amazing. Let's go somewhere. <laughs> let's go out. I can actually put, like, put shit away. My, yeah. <laughs> And then men are just like, I have too many fucking pockets. People are making fun of me because I have seven pockets. Yeah, what's up with people hating on cargo shorts? I really don't understand that. Neither do I. Never understood it. Okay, don't wear cargo shorts, though. Why? I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, no, no. I don't get it. it. This has been Fashion Tips with the Terrible Terror Podcast. You're welcome. We see them, like I said, they've been there. They've been locked in this place for a long time. They just want to get the fuck out of there. You've got, I think that was uh, Windows. That was that guy that, like... The glasses and kind of big beard. He's another guy. He has the the sunglasses. Maybe that's the guy that you're talking about. Not the guy with the glasses and more like the teacher type beard that you've got there. This guy was kind of wild hair. He was sitting there at the console. Yeah, okay, so that's that guy. That's Thomas Wolves or Wales. Uh, that's the guy who plays Windows. And he, you know, you know what happens to him at the later towards the end of the movie. Right. Um, but, yeah, so he's been sitting there for a really long time trying to figure out what's going on, and they're just not able to. So from there, we see that they've gotten together, and they are now all discussing what's kind of going on with the Norwegian guys and, like, why they were doing what they would. And this is kind of, that I think, that emotion that you would have expected at the point that they were out there watching him shoot the dog. Yes. But here they are where they're basically basically trying to figure out, like, what the hell was was really going on out there, and whether or not they actually had gone crazy? How long have I been stationed there? It says here only eight weeks. Well, that's not long enough for guys to go bunkers. Well, shit, Warner. Five minutes is enough to put a man over down here. They have straight. I mean, look at Pump. He's been the way he is since the first day. How many in their party? We started with ten. There'd be eight others left. How do we know? Guys as crazy as that could have done a lot of damage to their own before they got to us. Nothing we can do about that. Oh, yes, there is. I want to go up. In this weather? Bennings? Winds are going to let up a tad next couple of hours. A tad? Can't condone it much myself, but it is a short haul. An hour there, an hour back. Shit, Doc, I'll give you the lift. No problem. Forget it, Palmer. Hey, thanks for thinking about it, though. Okay, that guy is such a weird character in this film. The last guy that was speaking, which was, uh, I believe, Bennings is is that guy. Or is, it's Palm, no, Palmer is somebody different. 
See, this is the problem. Like, I can tell you, it's basically that I was sitting back there smoking weed the entire time. Okay, that's and then weed, that right? was the. There has to be weed. Okay. There's no way that's. Okay, that, okay, okay. He has two fucking joints. Okay, and one is a fucking, like, right Snoop Dogg joint because it's so fucking big. Yes, 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 yes. The central theme of this movie is weed. Every you think time. So? Every freaking scene, someone is smoking weed. Well, some of them are smoking cigarettes. And I get that, but he is definitely smoking himself out. Like, there is no way, unless he plans to roll a fucking cigarette, tobacco cigarette, as in the shape of a joint, it makes no fucking sense. Mm. And especially the way that he acts. But I do like at the end of the scene, like, he's like, well, you know, I'll take you up there. And then he's like, no. He's like, well, thanks. Thanks for thinking about me. <laughs> like, like, are you thinking, like, what What are you thinking about? Like, I, I don't, I don't quite get that. Yeah. You know, he's just, but he's an interesting character for the times that he's there. We know that he has said, like, they watch things like, well, later on, you know, they watch old Let's Make a Deals. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, even and then when he's doing, oh, I've seen this one before. We'll just go on to the next one. Like, the, like videotapes. It's all the things that they have to, like, the outside world up there, which is just crazy. Which is, again, why would you destroy your uh, chess wizard? If, uh, that's all you, you know, have. That's all you have out there. Especially if you just sit up in a shack all day. I Makes know. no fucking He's so sense. He's antisocial. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you're already secluded. Like You're going to make yourself more secluded? More, yeah. That was kind of weird. Also, talking about character development makes no sense in this movie because it, there is none. Truly. There's, there's only character development for McCready. To be honest, there is some for him. And it yeah, comes in a so scene that we'll talk about later. Miniature. But yeah, they're really, for the other characters if there, you think about it, he kind isn't. of goes full circle. He does. Uh, yeah. In the way that he is. And he's yeah. he's starts out as that loner that everybody kind of respects because yeah. he's, I don't know. I, I That part I don't really get. Exactly. Like, what has he done to earn that mm-hmm. respect? But the fact of the matter is that it's he that becomes... Hat. It's the hat. Yeah. It's the hat that he's going to go out and later on. Seven folds. <laughs> so they were going to decide to go wherever the Norwegians were. They figure out where the Norwegians were stationed. They want to fly out there. Doctor Cooper wants to see if there's more people out there that possibly may have survived, and so they're going to go in, into there. And then the flying is not going to be that great. And we find out that McCready is a helicopter pilot, and so he's going to go ahead and take Doctor Cooper out there. So they fly out to the place, and then. Again, it's that non-reaction for things because they walk into the place and they're like, you know, first there's a joke that's just, he's calling them Swedes the entire time, but they're Norwegian. He's like, you know, so first, oh, we're going to go out and see where the Swedes are. They're Norwegian, McCready. And then he gets there and he's like, hey, Swedes. They're Norwegian, McCready. Like, it's... It's not that funny of a joke. No, I don't know. And I'm just kind of like, uh, that misses the mark. But I'm not really into the movie for humor. But I get what they're trying to do with the character. Like, the fact that he's so pushed off from everything that he's still making the same mistake twice. Um, and then when they walk in, there's the giant axe that's bloody that's on the door. And they just like, well, guess there's an axe here. Yeah, no. The whole movie, that <laughs> whole scene. Oh, there's a dead body there. That's kind of weird. Oh, yeah. this has two heads? That's kind of weird, too. Yeah, it's oh, all look, weird. there's there's this giant ice thing that we found. We should take it with us. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? It, it, a lot of it is just very, like, non-reactionary to everything that's around them, at least at this point in time, until we start getting towards the middle of the movie. Then everything is, like, really ramping up 
on the the paranoia that I guess that you're gonna you know you would say or you know questioning everything that's around it, it really is paranoia I don't know why I said that you would say that's what it is mm. but it's just so weird in these scenes like this they're just walking in there they see the frozen guy and the blood like as the audience I feel like we're reacting to it quite a bit like we're seeing oh shit there's an axe there like what what happened here? Oh shit, there's this guy that's sitting there and his blood is completely frozen and you just see it, uh, that it's, you know, somebody's been killed. And that's when they find the guy outside. They find all the burnt bodies. But we see that that one, the blood is actually frozen uh, to the, the, the body that's out there. I just thought about this right now. Do you think that was on purpose? Like the director was like, okay, you're going to show no emotion whatsoever because it makes the audience be like, Yes, and I do think that that's a choice. Right? I, like, it's more about the audience's emotion than the characters themselves. Like, why aren't you doing this? Yeah. Like, there's... there, And that happens a lot in, like, horror movies, right? Oh, yeah. Where it's like, what? Run! Do something! Oh, but yeah. this is a little bit different because I'm not even going, like, run, don't be there. Even though you know nothing's going to happen in that scene, somehow I knew nothing was going to happen in that scene. It's more about, like, the amazement of what you're seeing, like what you would put yourself into the scene. That's the way I kind of feel Mm. rather than the characters. Like the characters are just there to lead you along. And it's up for you to be the one that's like, Oh crap. Oh crap. Like what's gonna, like, what does this mean? Cause you're, you're paranoid with yourself as you're, you're kind of watching these scenes because you're expecting something. Should I not be freaking out? Because this is kind of scary. But it's but yeah. it's it's not like yeah you you think that you should be freaking out, right. but he's not setting it that way. Wait, for you. I'm I feel like I'm giving the wrong impression here. I gotta ask you a question. Do you think this movie is scary? No. Okay. Thank you so much. No. Because no, it's no. not. It's it's not scary. I think that there are other things with it, and I don't take this as a scary movie. I think that there Horror. are shock scenes in it mm-hmm. and that if i was in a theater that i might be shocked but i don't think anything in this it's not it's tension build up but it's not to the point that it's scary like yeah, he's, he's scary trying to this. to keep it in more of the sci-fi realm than the horror realm yeah. the horror are the visuals right but everything else is really about the story and about the sense of paranoia that you're going to get from it when you first watched it did you think it was scary not really i thought it was like because I was so young, mm-hmm. I was more scared, I guess you could say scared, but maybe more frightened of the violence and not the violence, but the creatures and those models that kind of came through. That's what I mean. Isn't that being scared? It's, like it's not up? being scared. Like there isn't, um, I don't know how to explain it exactly. Maybe I'm not doing the best job, but like in terms of like, I'm getting fear and tension from these scenes. Like, I'm scared leading up. And then that's a release mm. for me is seeing this monster do it. It was like, that's nightmare fuel for later. Okay. Right? At the moment, I'm not scared. Right, but right, when right. you think back on it, ooh, like, you get that those shakes and like that Dude, I that just thought it thought. was gross for the sake of being gross. Like, I was just see, like, that's... I don't, I, I don't like alien movies. Oh, so maybe this is where we're, like we're delving think, into you. Yeah. We're going to turn this in. I'm going to put some psychic music on. And we're going to delve into the, yes. the, so the mind I think of Susie. Like Alien, Alien versus Predator, like all those movies, not scary at all. Just super gross. Um, it's always about these humans that are trying to 
figure out what's going on with these aliens and there's always one person going we shouldn't be doing this and then they do it anyway and then they all die uh, i don't really it's not my cup of tea so there are <laughs> things about this that i can say that are in that but like the last statement we're like we, there's always somebody that says we shouldn't do this I don't know if anybody no, in this not, ever not says a single that. person. They have no emotion. They, they don't care. They don't. And then it, <laughs> just it is just showcases for the the overarching theme. Mm-hmm. I think everything is just feeding into that and to try to get you as a viewer to buy into that. The at paranoia. The same time. Yes. It's a huge theme. Just paranoid. Yes. The whole time. Exactly. Where that's where I feel the second one fails. The prequel fails in okay. that. And so but that's for another time. I will never watch the prequel, by the way. <laughs> so they basically go outside and, well, they find the giant ice tomb, whatever that they dug out. And then they go outside and they see that there's bodies out there and there's a lot of bodies that have burned. And there's one that catches their eye. So they go ahead and bring it back to the, the station because they want to go ahead and just, you know, run an autopsy on everything. You reach anybody yet? Reach anybody? We're a thousand miles from nowhere, man, and it's going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets any better. Well, stick to it, window. Stick to it. Nothing wrong with this Norwegian. Physiologically, anyway. No drugs, no alcohol, nothing. Well, what we got here is what appears to be, anyway, a normal set of internal organs. Heart, lungs, kidneys, liver, intestines. Seem to be normal. So that's our first, like, shot of the thing. Right. We see this body laying there. It looks human. It has like just like Dr. Diabetes over here says it has multiple like organs that are normal. And it looks like he pulls out. It feels like he pulls out the same thing multiple times. And it just could be because of the makeup that was used for those specific organs. Um, but he pulls everything. It all looks human, except for when you pan up to the face, you see the face is basically like split open. And even the doctor, when they first see it, do you think a man used to be in there? Like, they don't even say, like, did it used to be a man? It's like something came out of it uh, that wasn't, you know, normal. Uh, And it definitely looks like as humanoid as possible, but it's just weirdly, like, shaped. Like, I really do like the makeup effects in this film. Like, yeah. the way that all that stuff is done. And it was done by a very young gentleman. I 22, think he was 22, right? yeah. Yeah. When he did this film. And it's amazing that somebody at that age, not saying that somebody at that age can't do it, but at this time, it's really unheard of for somebody right. to be so young and this be one of his first films to do these things that look so, so great. Yeah. And yeah, it is gross and it's kind of like, and this was the 80s though. You have right. to realize that. A lot of sci-fi and horror in the 80s, like you said, is kind of gross to be gross when they want to do gore. Yeah. But I feel that this, it, it looks so 
it just looks so cool. Like, I don't know how else to really, like, my mind's not looking for the right uh, synonym for cool. Uh, but <laughs> it's like, it's like gory beautiful. Like, if you're a gore hound, it is, this is like perfect for you. Yeah. Right? It, it's just the model, it's really takes a huge imagination to develop something that looks like that and then put it to screen and then what is going to be done with the other stuff later. Like, this is just a small taste of what you're going to see later in the movie and it already shocks you. Yeah, yeah. And so they basically leave Dr. Diabetes and the other doctor to kind of like look at what's going on uh, with it and do the full autopsy. And that's where the dog is now. It's roaming the hallways. And the dog, again, has looked even guiltier like each time that <laughs> each time right. come that back to it. That's acting on point. Oh, I know. Yeah. That emotion that he's that got emotion. there. Well, like the scene, he like brushes by the guy that got shot in the leg. Mm-hmm. And then I was wondering, like, did he bite him? Like, did he do something like that to the guy? Not or did he just, like, brush, a, brush by the leg that got the stitches and that's what caused him to go, out? Because yeah. he goes, ow, you need to do something about this dog, Clark. Yeah. You know, and the dog's, like, looking back. They're like, what? Did he do anything? <laughs> it's cool. And they're like, okay, well, they'll put him back with the other dogs that they have. And this comes to be, like, these are those iconic scenes in this movie that are one of the reasons why so many people really like the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that some people look past some of the other stuff to really enjoy the film. And I even found myself like kind of doing that at the same time because it's like, I, I really do like this film. And, and in the beginning, these are the scenes. Why? Like, these are the scenes that freaked me out as a kid, but like as growing up, they stuck with me because of how, how well the practical effects are. And I've always, like, said on this podcast, much old things, practical effects will always win. Like, it, it's so hard to find a, a horror movie nowadays that doesn't use, like, CGI. CGI to do even blood, which drives me crazy. Blood packets, you can do them. Just show that people are getting shot, even if you're doing that. Yeah. You know, don't show CGI bullet holes and this crap. Hey, but you would think that the fact that they don't have CGI and these actors are able to see everything, you would think that they would show a little more emotion. And well, yet here I we are. I think that you have a little more emotion in this scene. Now, Clark, I'll give you that guy seems to be like stuck on slow. Yeah. Like he's just, he's moving at the speed of slow constantly. He's yeah. never really. Picking it up. He always acts kind of the same. And he reminds me of somebody that we work with. Oh, God. Um, Please say it out here. <laughs> Who? Who? It reminds me of Emil at times. Oh, like, my God. I don't know why. I love you so much right now, Brian. <laughs> Emil, if you're listening, because I'm going to make you listen. Because you're going to make him listen. That's but right. But it, 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 it's, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's no, just there's amazing. something about the, the way the character is. And because maybe we don't hear at our job, we don't see him outside of that as much. At least I don't. Right, right. You know, and I don't see. But he, when he gets really <laughs> into stuff and stuff like that, I see that, like, the extra spark. But here, I just like, God, that is that who I'm watching at this moment? Oh, my God. You know? Brian, I couldn't love you anymore. <laughs> this is it. I've reached the top of loving no, this, you. I this, love is it. The pinnacle because this is the pinnacle because I'm talking about somebody else we work with. Because you're saying he's kind of slow. No, no, no. I'm just saying that the character reminds me of him. Because he's kind of slow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, it's all in jest. But it it really, like, 
it's just because, you know, here he is. You can tell that he has these, like, love for these animals and stuff. And the thing is, is that we didn't mention before yeah. this is as they're shutting down for the night, we see the dog go into one of the rooms and we assume it's the room with mm-hmm. Clark. Mm-hmm. And that, okay, something is up with the dog. Like, he's just roaming the hallways randomly. And then all of a sudden he shows up in the room. But... I, I can argue that it's probably not Clark that he ended up in that room with. It was probably Palmer, um, our weed-smoking dude, <laughs> right? But maybe not at that time. I don't know. Or maybe there was something that was kind of like, or he was fishing people out. It could have been somebody else, too. It could have been that, that one big guy um, that, that was there, the, the you know, the mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. chubby dude. Um, but so we have Clark here with the dog. They tell Clark to put the dog away. And then Clark takes it back to the kennel. And the dogs first, all the other dogs, everything seems to be normal until the dog gets into the center of the room and it starts to sit there. And then all of a sudden, all the other dogs realize, oh, something is not right with this animal. Okay, I thought that was really weird. There's no way that a bunch of dogs will see another foreign-ass dog come through and not, like, go up immediately to sniff it out. They were all just laying. Well, they were all, like, tired. They've had a long dog day. They're sitting back there. They're like, dude, we've been trying to beg you. You've been able to wander around this fucking place. I fucking hate you. I know. They're jealous fucking dogs. You've been able to wander and use your energy, and I've just been in here laying down. But now that you're coming in, I'm going to continue to lay down. That's That's, right. That's weird. Well, that's because, you know, they're training like veal or something back there. They're just having them lay back inside the dog cage. That was the worst (laughs) scene for me. I did not enjoy watching any of those dogs go down. Yeah. But it's – I understand that action, that that part of it. But from my perspective, just the stop – like the the whole effect of the dog becoming the thing – and you actually seeing what it does firsthand for the very first time is incredible. With the way the makeup is done, uh, and it still holds up to me for this time. Even though there's a little thing when the like the dog's face starts splitting apart, like it doesn't quite look. It looks. It goes from being real dog to being taxidermy dog like really really fast. Right, like you can kind of tell, yeah. but it's still like it has this like eldritch horror type of thing. The face is opening up. Yeah. The closest thing that if somebody has never seen this movie and maybe wants a current reference, it's kind of like those things from Stranger Things. What are they called? I'm so glad you brought Gorgon. that up and not me because I was like, you know what this movie reminds me of with the songs and the score. I was like Stranger Things. Stranger, well, Stranger Things is all eighties. I know stuff, but so I didn't like want to be the one to like reference it right. to something very like modern right now because then I'm like, no, really? no, it's, and it's fine. I don't think that there's anything wrong with you doing it. No, you already did it. So but I did I agree. it. So you don't. So you can agree with <laughs> I don't have to do it. I wasn't yeah. the one. Brian's the one that's you know. The, the, I'm the one that's putting it into these, but it's yes. really like. Because of you can see where they've taken some of their like ideas from, yeah, and especially with the music in this movie. And I do want to take a Amazing. break. And the music is fabulous. I love it. It's wonderful. It's I love it. it's very minimalistic, mm-hmm. but and you sometimes you don't even notice that the music's there, yeah. but it's always pushing you along, and it's always kind of thumping in the back of your head. I mean, even the theme song, like when I played it originally, I put it longer than I normally do most because I don't want just the thump thump. 
thump, thump. Even though that's really cool, but the, yeah. it's so much more beautiful than it is. Then you just get that like small little 30 seconds. And that fact that it just keeps going with everything that you're doing in the movie. Even when they do, you know, like that scene where the dog is wandering around. And that's the only time that you get any type of music music. Mm-hmm. And you get Superstitious by Stevie Wonder. It makes you wonder, why did they play that song? You know, yeah. like that's definitely a setup for everything that's going on. Right, right. But that's the only actual song song you get. Everything else is just these like slow like methodic and just kind of it's ingraining yourself into you and you don't realize it just kind of like the thing does to the characters in the movie yeah right so it, it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful yeah. 100 it's, it's agree best with parts you on that of this film so you so you have the dog he's in the kennel now all mm-hmm. the other dogs are you know they're they're chilling but because then, it's that time. But then the thing starts coming out of the dog because it wants to start assimilating with the other dogs and basically spreading itself out, right? So we, we do learn a little bit exactly how they do it, but um, I don't want to get to that exact point like with it. We'll hear from Dr. Diabetes in a little bit. Um, but we, we see that the creatures, like I said, it opens up and it's almost like, like the Demogorgon type of thing where its face like spreads apart and it's almost like it looks like a flower, how it comes out. Yeah. And then you see all the tentacles are start moving around and it, it, it just looks cool. Like I like the way that I know I could use a better word for that. It was but cool. It was cool. I have a uh, podcast and I use words like cool. I use words like cool. Hey, nobody said I was a wordsmith. That's right. But it also does describe it for you, like preference-wise, because yeah. I don't I don't like it. You don't like it because it's it's the dog thing and probably what also happens the with the dogs. Because yeah. the dogs do get the worst. Well, the first dog gets like jizzed on it. Like, oh, thank you so much for saying that. That's exactly my thought. I was like, dude, is this dog just getting jizzed at? I'm like, Jesus it's Christ. It. And it's like... It's like a white, like, fluid that's going all it over it. It should be at least, it's like, just, green or something. Yeah, some you know? different type of thing. And Red. I'm just like, oh, oh, boy, look at that dog over there. He's sure enjoying it. But I, it's probably what? just, like, <laughs> it's probably just water that it's spraying onto the dog. I understand I mean, yes. for a little bit. But then the the other dog does get, like, the, the tentacle things yeah. put into it. And it starts getting wrapped around it. And then you do see the dog change you know, into the model dog. It's not like they're doing it to the actual dogs. But again, that kind of effect as it's like pulling it in, like it's just for, for this time for being 82, it it is something really beautiful to watch as it's just the, the tentacles are going out. It's going everywhere. You have this, this model that is just so like its movements are are natural at the same time Mm -hmm. that they're not trying to use like stop motion. So you can tell that it's actually something that was created to make those movements and to actually, even though the, the tentacle thing is a little little bit of stop motion because you see it like go out. It's probably actually retracting rather than going outward, but it still looks like it, it still makes brings joy to my, my big fat heart <laughs> as I watch <laughs> that part of the film. So this, of course, causes much... Uh, you know, commotion going on to where they actually have to go down and find out what is going on in the kennel with the dogs. Right. Everybody immediately. I don't know what the hell's in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. Bennings, go get Childs. What is this? What's the kind of- What's going on? What's the kind of- hey, Palmer, what is it? I don't know. Mac wants the flamethrower. Mac wants the what? That's what he said. Now move. 
So everybody now is rushing down the hallway basically to go and see what the hell is going on. And you have Child there. I would say that he shows the most emotion in the scene because he's kind of pissed off that he's being told to go do something else. Right. You know, which could also be like a big stereotype uh, for a black actor to show a bunch of like sassy emotion at the same time. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But so he has to go get the flamethrower. We have everybody rushing to the pin. And, you know. Can I talk about that escalation? That also didn't make any sense. That he pulled the, the, no. the fire alarm? No. Yeah. Like, the whole thing, though. Like, the dogs are freaking out, and they're barking, and you hear the commotion. But I would assume, oh, like, that's a new dog, and so, therefore, they don't like this dog, and now they're fighting that dog. And that's what's happening down there. I don't think everyone already assumed, no, the worst is happening. Everybody go. Bring your guns. It's like, What? That was a weird escalation. I didn't even think there was any... Well, there was a little talk before, like, about the, like, the creature thing, right? They all learned that there was something weird. They brought something weird in there. And so maybe they were thinking something was wrong with that. I and, don't know. And that the seems fact a little that, bit of a stretch. That he did take... I, I, I get it. I'll try to make, like, my argument for it. Mm. But he did. I, they did see the bodies. They did see everything that was burnt. It was yeah, they McGrady did see that the bodies. You mean like, the one where he, they were reacting totally normal? That one? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Like, Again, huh, burnt bodies. Exactly. If they had been like, oh my god, burnt bodies. You don't know. Everything's he weird. He's wearing his sunglasses. So, he could have been crying underneath the sunglasses. Yeah, totally. Just, I no. can't believe your argument I have to, is I have to mute. Be, I have to be strong, man. Mute. 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 <laughs> Whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. Yes. So, but yeah, I I mean, to me, it's more or less like, okay, something's going wrong, but he wasn't sure exactly where it was and what's the best way to get everybody's attention, throw the fire alarm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, but I do understand that he tells him, you need to bring the flamethrower. Why do you need to bring the flamethrower when you don't know? Well, Clark did go down there. He says, I don't know what it is. It's pissed off. Right? So, Clark saw something because he did go down and check on the dogs and then... You know, but then there was the action by McCready to be like, okay, I do this. And so they know that something was wrong and they all get over to the cage and they see the thing as it has grown to this like other monstrosity. Right. And, you know, just pieces of of other animals. And it's got that weird dog head that's for some reason all covered in slime. You know, more thing jizz is just coming out. (laughs) Or it's like birthing fluid is probably what it's closer to being, right? Right. So the the water of the thing is broken and the the dog thing is kind of coming out of there. Mm -hmm. And so they see it and what's the reaction is to get the flamethrower and fucking burn it to hell. Can we talk about that one dog that was like hella smart? It was just like, I'm going to, um, I couldn't escape before, but now oh, that yeah. my life depends on it, <laughs> I'm going to like rip through this. What What is it? Like, like the, it's the a kennel. So it's probably like chicken wire or something like that. That's put wire. out there. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just going to do this with my teeth and get the fuck yeah, out of here. The, the one, one, once one of the dogs started getting it, like there was the one that was just jumping and like, like he knew as soon as something was happening, he was like, no, I need to, need to get the hell out of here. Like, let me out. Let me out. Let me out, let yeah, me out, let me out. smart dog. Out. Smarter than the men, more emotion, <laughs> being, yeah. Well, there was Anything. also a piece of the thing, too, that went through the ceiling that nobody saw as well. So, like, it, there is a one, you see, like, something reach up, and it goes into the ceiling 
of everything, mm. but the big one is still left there. And then this that one before, also goes to the ceiling. This one end. tries to go, like the, the one that they burn. Okay. Like yeah. it tries to escape, but like a smaller piece actually does escape. Yeah. And this is something that, that the audience sees that they don't see that leads to the whole, like that whole testing scene later on when the, you know, McCready finally realizes something is going on. So it's to give us an idea that it's not, that it's not just this one thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're not just stopping it and that there's going to be more thing later on. Um, I really wish it had a name, you know? No, I like this. You like that it's a I thing? Is it, so this must be thing two, and that was thing one, or was no. that thing two, or is this thing one? <laughs> no, it's all one thing. It's all one thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> thing is the species. Yeah, because they don't know what it is, right? Right. So they basically take that over into the uh, the autopsy room mm-hmm. after they've done it. They throw it down onto the table, and they tell him, hey, you got to, you know, you got to figure out what this thing is as well. And so they do more work on it. And we hear Dr. Diabetes. He talks more about it as in, in like his own notes, right? We kind of see him and he's recording something himself. Mm-hmm. And he explains a little more of what he believes the thing to be. You see, what we're talking about here is an organism that imitates other life forms. And it imitates them perfectly. When this thing attacked our dogs, it tried to digest them, absorb them. And in the process, shape its own cells to imitate them. This, for instance, that's not dog. It's imitation. We got to it before it had time to finish. Finish what? Finish imitating these dogs. Easy. Easy. Good. Easy. Clark? Yeah? Did you notice anything strange about the dog? Anything at all? Strange? No. What was the dog doing in the rec room? I don't know. It's just wandering around camp all day. Are you saying to me the dog wasn't put in the kennel until last night? Right. How long were you alone with that dog? I don't know, an hour, hour and a half, maybe. What the hell are you looking at me like that for? I don't know. What? I don't know. It's probably nothing. He's probably just wondering why the hell he you know, didn't buy his diabetes testing supplies so soon <laughs> and why the hell he seems, sounds like a mule. Oh, there we go. Thank you. I was going to ask you to say it. She was telling me the whole time, you better say it. You better fucking say it. Yeah. He needs to know. It doesn't just come from me, Emil. <laughs> so this guy, well, Dr. By Diabetes has figured out that it imitates, right? Mm-hmm. So he's looking at everything that's in there. He's seeing, well, there's a piece of a dog. There's this. So everything is basically just a copy of what's going on and he's talking to clark over there too and trying to get more information and you can tell that at that point for him the paranoia is starting to set in that questioning that wondering of what could more could this thing do Mm -hmm. if it really is imitating the animals 
Like, what more? Like, but it, they're not necessarily saying it. You're seeing it in his eyes. The other thing is, with Wilford Brimley in this movie, he is fucking slurring everything he can possibly say. Like, he never says words the way that they're meant to be said. He, like, later on, there was one I caught in the audio, and you, you'll catch it a little bit at the end, but he doesn't say, like, me or something. He's like, Ugh. like, it's, it's constantly doing that. And, you know, he always sounds like he has a ton of marbles sticking in his fucking mouth because his <laughs> cheeks are so fucking big and the diabetes is probably taking over. Oh, wait, is that going to affect me later on? Oh, oh fucking shit. A. <laughs> I'm going to become the Wolford Brimley of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> on a podcast, though. That's right. We'd like to talk to you about diabetes testing supplies. Oh, damn. <laughs> That's sad. So, from here, after we've kind of learned a little more about the thing, and now that everybody has seen this whole, you know, thing in there, which, again, there's something that happens later, but we'll get to it, and that, that part kind of pisses me off the most. Um, but they decide to go to the tapes, because they did find a bunch of tapes in the Norwegian place, uh, and they thought the doctor, Dr. Cooper, he thought that it was going to be a good thing to grab the tapes. And we can review these tapes later, right? So they basically sit back and they decide what are they going to do and what possibly the Norwegians actually found up there. Where did they take these shots? Seems like they were spending a lot of their time in a little place northeast of their camp about five or six miles. What's that? It looks like something buried under the ice. And look at that, they're planning thermite charges. Whatever it was, it was bigger than that block of ice you found. Here. This is it, the place where they're spending most of their time. Pretty nasty out, Mac, 35 knots. Screw it, I'm going to go up anyway. So you see Mac all of a sudden now. Before, he wasn't so sure about going out to the Norwegian's place. He's like, uh, it doesn't look, you know... Doesn't look that good. And they're all like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, it's going to clear up in a bit. You can fly out there. And this time, he's like, we're going to fly out there. You're like, oh, no, it looks terrible. But it doesn't even look that bad outside. Like, it seems like everything is okay. And when they do fly to where the Norwegians were, like, it's perfectly clear. But yeah. everybody's like, now, no, no, we, we shouldn't fly. And that's part, again, of that that paranoia of you don't know yet quite what the thing does. But, like, hindsight looking back, you could tell that there was something, like, not wanting to go that way. Though if I were the thing, and I was one of them right now, I'd be like, yeah, let's go. And then I would fucking kill the other two and get back to my fucking spaceship and get the fuck out of there. Yeah, seriously. Like, it's crazy. So, they go to the site, and well, they, they fly out of there, and they see that the Norwegians, they basically awoke something. Yeah. They don't know what it is, but they see the whole spaceship. And, like, it's got parts of it that are really damaged, but who knows how long it's been there. And that's where we actually learn, because they make an assumption about how long it's been there. And when we come back from the little clip here, I, I this is probably one of the biggest things that I have a problem with in the film. I don't know. Thousands of years ago, it crashes, and this thing gets thrown out. Or crawls out and it ends up freezing in the ice. I just cannot believe any of this voodoo bullshit. Giles, happens all the time, man. They're falling out of the skies like flies. Government knows all about it, right, Mac? You believe any of this voodoo bullshit, Blair? Child, Child, chariots of the gods, man. They practically own South America. I mean, they taught the Incas everything they know. 
So come on now, McCready. Norwegians get hold of this. And they dig it up out of the ice. Yes, Gary, they dig it up, they cart it back. It gets thawed out, wakes up, probably not in the best of moods. I don't know what you disrespectful man been tossing his dirty drawers in the kitchen trash can. Huh? But now I want my kitchen clean, all right? Germ free. Now how's this motherfucker wake up after thousands of years in the ice? And how can it look like a dog? I don't know how. Because it's different than us, see? Because it's from outer space. What do you want from me? Ask him. You buy any of this, Blair? Okay, so one, when they find the stuff in the snow, they say, oh, well, how long has this been here? Well, this snow has been this deep. Must be 100,000 years. That was crazy Like, fast. how do you how fucking... How do you know that? Yeah, how do that you know that? so... Okay, that I wrote that in my... So I watched the movie once, and I wrote these, like, bullshit notes that are hilarious, by the way. And... <laughs> I literally wrote a thousand years old LMAO all kinds quick. Just knows. Just like that. And then I put like weed as the central theme yet again. <laughs> okay. That's beside the point. But yeah, how do you just know that? Doesn't make any sense to me. Like it's, you just automatically assume, well, it's, yes, you know, it's this deep. Old. Oh, it must be a hundred thousand years. But we see it at the beginning of the goddamn movie. So yeah. it does, you don't know the time frame. No. So that first shot that we're seeing is a hundred thousand years ago. <laughs> And it's just been in the snow, frozen <laughs> for a hundred thousand years. Yes, he's such That's a good it. scientist. He knows. It makes no sense. Then you go back, and they're like explaining what they saw out there—that they saw a fucking spaceship, and there yeah. were three people, three mm-hmm. that went out there. I get it. McCready's a drunk. You maybe you don't believe him, mm-hmm. but the other two, unless they were like Palmer, fucking getting stoned every fucking minute, <laughs> they saw it with their own eyes too, and they saw a goddamn spaceship. Yeah. And then you're, you, you are the one with the fucking flamethrower that burnt that thing up. That everyone saw. That everybody saw. And yeah. you're like, you believe this bullshit? Yeah, just, uh, what's this motherfucker saying right here? Yeah, it's so, it's so weird. It's, it's so stupid. What's weird to me is they didn't see the thing and then go, hey, yo, let's get the fuck out of here. None of them. They were all like, that's kind of crazy. We should go explore. What? Go well, home. It's possible that they thought that they got rid of it. That's the only explanation I can say there. That we burnt it up because they didn't see the thing go okay. over the, the thing. I'll I'll humor this. <laughs> I'll so allow you're, it. Yeah, yeah, I'll allow it. <laughs> so you're there, okay? You're a character there, and you just saw the same things they saw. But you're sticking also, around. Well, remember that they can't reach the outside world because we've been told that in the beginning of the mm-hmm, movie, right? Mm-hmm. So they're basically sitting there waiting for the cavalry to come to take them out of there. There's no way. But they could have just yeah, all loaded okay. themselves in the goddamn helicopter yeah, let's go. and Fuck just it. flew somewhere. But yeah, who knows? Anywhere. Do they have the fuel to get to where they need to get? Or where do they need to, you know, how Again, exactly do they do so that? So much we don't know. We so don't. It's like... So if you're in that situation, would you leave? If every, I think everybody would kind of like, I don't want to say they're going to turn on you, but they might when you're trying to be like, oh, you know what? Why don't we just leave? And they're just like, well, we really can't leave. And you can't leave. I mean, if I was McCready and I knew how to fly the fucking helicopter, I might fuck just them. ditch everybody. No, no, no. Hey, definitely. who wants to come with me? We can just get the fuck out of here right now. No. Yes, he secluded himself. He doesn't like to be a part of the crew, but he's sticking around while all this shit is happening. Instead of talking about character development, what character development? Even when you don't even have to develop him and you can go based off what you already know, he doesn't do it. 
That doesn't make any sense. But he does, he is growing a little bit as a leader because everybody does kind of respect what for he has to say. For whatever reason that we don't know. That we don't know for, for whatever reason that that is. But slowly but surely because he's experiencing everything and he wants to actually find out what's going on, yeah. that's kind of his growth. His growth honestly really comes from that tape recorder scene, which we'll talk about when we get to it. Yeah. That's where I say, think that that character actually has that growth. Mm. And and we can go into a little more there. But yeah, I, I get it. For the rest of them, it's just like, why? Why would you just... And why would you deny what you saw? Like, okay, I saw this monstrosity thing. This thing imitated our dogs. And you guys saw a spaceship? Okay, I believe that you probably saw a fucking spaceship. Since nothing like this Has ever exists. happened before? Yeah. yeah. and Or it's, it's just something Different. from Antarctica. Yeah. Like, this is so unexplored that there are monsters here. Yeah. It's like the sea, <laughs> right? That's what scares me the most about the ocean, yes. is the fact that there's tons of shit down in the ocean. That we don't and who know knows about. how far, all of a sudden, we're going to get giant, you know, Cthulhu monsters that are going to come up and try to kill Cthulhu. us. Cthulhu. That's right. Cthulhu okay. lives in the ocean. Is that something I should know about? Do you know about H.P. Lovecraft? Damn. No. Oh, no. No. Oh. You should look up that. Okay. Just don't look up him. Look up the stories. Because the dude is not a good dude. Okay. Oh, God. It's one of those things. And that's, that's the thing that I learned later. But I love the mythos of that whole... That he created. So, they're basically trying to figure out now what they need to do. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we need to figure more out about what's going on here. What did the Norwegians uncover? What is this thing about? You know... Are, are we safe? And, of course, that's where they decide that, you know, the idea is that they don't need to be left alone uh, with anybody else. Like, you need to just, you always should be with somebody and you should always make sure that, you know, that somebody knows where you are. You know, especially if it can imitate everybody. Sorry, Mac. You have to move your stuff up. Doc says we got to lock them up. Stash them in here and lock them up. I'm tired of talking, Fix. I just want to get up to my shack and get drunk. Mac, it's important. What is it? Outside. It's 40 below outside. In the fire call. Please, Mac. We gotta just burn these things. Can't burn the find of the century. That's going to win somebody the Nobel Prize. You uh, got the keys. Get them from Gary. I want to get some stuff out of here. So Dr. Diabetes, he's told everybody that they need to put the bodies inside that storage, right? Mm -hmm. And that's to keep them away from everything else because they don't know what exactly they could do. And they're assuming that they're dead, so they're not going to do anything as is. Let's just store everything. Right. Uh, But they thought about doing the flamethrower before because just random. They they knew that the fire thing, right? Because they already saw burnt bodies. So they knew using the flamethrower on it was probably the best weapon that they had. But then with the other bodies, they're just dead. They're just dead already. Because they assumed they were dead already. Like, they torched one. 
assumed it's dead. The other one they found out in the snow, frozen, assumed that it was dead. But we learn this scene that that one is not dead. No. (laughs) Because, and I really like the way that it's kind of set up for this part of the scene too, because you have him, they like put it in, he looks at it and he raises it up and nothing's going on. And he puts it back and the moment he turns his back, the sheet raises up and down. So like it's breathing or like that it's moving again. Then as it pans down to the bottom, you see that the icicle blood has now like dropped off and it's like starting to flow onto the floor. Yay. And it's, <laughs> I can tell by the look on your face that it's disgusting. It, yeah. Um, and we have the guy that was shot in the leg. He's basically sitting there in the room or he's trying to put some stuff up on the shelf. And I guess this is where McCready was staying for the time being because he wasn't staying out in his shack. No. And then he's like, I want to go back out to my shack. Why were you here? Like, why was your shit here if you were already staying in your shack? Now you want to so go back to your questions. shack. So he's got to go meet up with Dr. Fuchs. I'm sorry, Dr. Fuchs or whatever his name is. Fuchs. Fuchs. Um, he's got to go out there because he has some issues with Blair. But we know that everything that's happening underneath the sheets is probably going to affect Baldy uh, over there in just a moment. Sad. Yeah, it's really sad. So we cut outside real fast and we see what exactly is worrying uh, Fuchs with Blair. There's something wrong with Blair. He's locked himself in his room and he won't answer the door. So I took one of his notebooks from the lab. Yeah. Listen. It could have imitated a million life forms on a million planets. Could change into any one of them at any time. Now it wants life forms on Earth. It's getting cold in here, Fuchs, and I haven't slept in Wait a minute, days. Mac, wait a minute. It needs to be alone and in close proximity with the life form to be absorbed. The chameleon strikes in the dark. So is Blair cracking up or what? In the creed, there is still cellular activity in these burned remains. They're not dead yet. And that's where we learn that one of the things or one of the things in the room has now gotten a hold of the guy that got shot in the lake. Yeah. And he's basically assimilating with him because when Windows walks back into the room, he sees him there in the corner. And then he runs out and he starts going crazy. Oh my god, he's blah, 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 changing. Okay, wait. So you're Dr. Blair, you, Brian, okay. are Dr. Blair, and you're writing these notes, right? And it's like this thing can imitate and can take many forms and blah, 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 blah. And all these terrible things that you learn about the thing. And what do you do with that information? You write it down in a notebook and then you seclude yourself. Well, this is part of the paranoia, I think, that's going on. And maybe he has an inkling into what it is. Like, we, because of what we know that he's going uh-uh, to do. He doesn't have an inkling. He has that computer has the, thing. Oh, yeah. He has <laughs> the little thing that's showing that the cells are there, right? This, so is 80s, this is 80s oh computers. Okay, first of all, we wasted. You have to put yourself an, in this time. No, we wasted an entire scene watching this. Because the cells were coming and you could see how the cell was taking over one cell and then it became that cell. But it's so funny because for the longest time I was like, are we just watching a screen? Like usually you see a screen, you see it happening and then you can see the reactions of Dr. Blair, right? As he's seeing these things like, oh my God, like this is happening. Wow. I can see how this, oh, it's going to affect this many people. Oh, the whole world can get infected in three years. Oh, you know what I mean? Like he's learning all these things. We don't see his reactions. We just, we're just staring at a screen I don't like that. You're watching the simulation that he's Why? putting there. Why? Why like that? Again, characters are like what are, props. 
characters are props. It's not because about the characters, it but is, also about the it, thing. It's more about the viewer than it is the character. But we've talked about like that. Sometimes I think you need to let the audience know where we're at. How to feel a little bit, I think. Because I'm literally just staring at a screen and I'm like, oh, is that a simulator? Oh, they're imitating. Oh, okay. I get it. Oh, that's cool. What is this computer? Is this a program that he already had? Like, what? Then I'm out of the horror, out of the, you know, but if I'm seeing Blair like, holy shit, this is happening. Like, oh my God, I need to tell, I'm going to write this on my notes and seclude myself and not tell anybody about it. But like anything, he didn't do anything. And then after a while, I'm like, I forget. Who's watching this? And then it cuts to Dr. Blair. And then I'm like, oh, okay, he's watching this. Are you okay? Are you going to react? No, you're going to seclude yourself? All right, cool. What is that? It's. I don't it, like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. No, sir. I don't like it. Nope. Uh, I, I understand that you're feeling with it. And if you're asking me from the perspective of me, mm-hmm. myself, being in Dr. Blair's shoes or me being Dr. Blair himself. No, you being Dr. So me, Blair. So, so, so me being the character. Yeah. So if I was the character, the way that I was approaching it, the way that he did, that you don't know if you, this is what you're figuring out, if it can do that, you don't know if anybody there has been infected. Mm-hmm. So he, as we learn and, and jumping ahead of ourselves for a second, he believes that the only way to do it is just to destroy everything, make sure nobody can leave and make sure it dies there. That nothing happens. So that's why he's not trying to tell anybody anything. Okay. Because if you are if you do that and somebody is a thing already, then they're going to know what your plan is. Just like later on with the blood scene. Not the the first blood scene, not the second blood scene. But, you know, you know what I mean. The first blood scene where they all the blood is destroyed. So it's because the thing found out that they're going to do this test and he doesn't want to be found out. So for him not to do it, he doesn't want to share any of his notes with anybody right. because it doesn't make any sense. Now, Brian, the person, right. the Brian, the person yeah. would have gone out to the one person that he thinks they can trust the most and say, dude, this is what I think is going on. We need to figure out who is this that, is. Is that the hat and dude? I don't know if it's the hat dude. I don't know if it's the hat dude. I don't know if it's Childs. I don't know if it's Windows, though that guy seems like he's not all there together. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of people. I don't know if it's Stoner Dude. I probably wouldn't trust Stoner Dude. But maybe like Jerry, for example, the guy that's supposed to be the captain or the leader of the whole damn place. Mm -hmm. Maybe I go to him and I tell him what I think is going on. This is what I found out. Or another doctor that might understand it. But again, if you don't know who you can trust, if you don't think that anything's been done, do you tell everybody? Or do you just try as yourself? Two, do you just try to get the hell out of there? But you know what? Okay, yes. I don't need to be here anymore. Let them fucking deal with it. And I'm just going to leave. Yeah. So I, I think that there's two different reactions. And I think that his reaction is valid. But again, the fact that he doesn't really react to it. But then he it, escalates. There, well, yeah, he goes <laughs> big into it, which we'll get into yeah. in just a moment. Um, so what ends up happening is that, like, so Windows sees... The thing start to assimilate the guy. Mm-hmm. And then he rushes to go find people saying, I saw this. When he gets back, there's nobody there. But they notice that the window's been knocked out. So they all run out into the snow. And they see the dude running away. And he's like stumbling through the snow and trying to get it away as fast as possible until they stop him. And it's this is probably one of my favorite shots in the film just because like he's there and it's the 
unfinished man. Like, just the yell that he has, and that that is kind of terrifying that there is nothing, like, he's been found out, and I think it's more of like a cry for help. Like, oh, shit, I know something's going to happen to me. Just like the dog in the beginning of the film, where he was coming to everybody like, save me type of thing, he was kind of giving that type of thing, too, because he wasn't yet fully formed into the person yet. Like, just that shot of all of them surrounding him in the snow... And then him, like, getting his head back, and then you see those giant, like, claws yeah. that are out there because they're not formed yet, and then setting them on fire, like, burning them. But I think they used way too much kerosene because they knocked, like, five fucking barrels over to, like, do it, where before they just used one flamethrower and everything was okay. No, they wanted to be dramatic with it. They just wanted, okay, we're going to make sure. Well, it's possible all also because, you know, he was known to everybody. You know, and they couldn't believe that he actually became somebody else. I think that was the first time I thought about whether the characters know that they're the thing. Does that make sense? Like, if this is like an existential crisis type of response? Well, more like, let's say you get infected with the thing. Do you know that you're the thing? Do you know that you just got infected with the thing? Do you know that at any second you could just start sprouting? Like, do you know that? It's like... I don't, I don't, I don't know it's how much those, it enters their like minds. There's, there's got to be a moment in it. Well, because they're saying that it eats the the person, right? But right. based upon the simulation that was done by Doctor Blair, the cells get taken over, right? So all of a sudden, you're not your here. insides are changing, yeah, and you're not that person anymore. So your your conscience is no longer your conscience. So as so you things lose are changing, yourself. though. Do you feel that in any way? I would imagine that you would. Right? It would be so like then, dying, right? Okay. So then at any point, do we see these people start acting different? Yes. So different. Yes. And then you assume that they're the thing now. Correct. There's The the big one is, is not to spoil it right now, but it's Dr. Blair, right? right. You can tell when know, he's yeah. the theme. The thing. The thing. You can tell when he's finally gotten to that point. You can tell a couple of other characters, but if they've been the thing for so long, then they can finally assimilate because they're not quite like they even because here you kind of show it, right? Like, and even when it says, and like, I'll play the clip in a second, but uh, McCready even says that, you know, given a little bit more time, you wouldn't be able to recognize him at all. Because he's able to get into the conscious of the body and the mm. memories of the body and then actually start to emulate everything that's been happening with him. So somebody that's been the thing, say, for five hours mm. is less likely to be known to be a thing than mm-hmm. somebody that has been a thing for an hour. Because maybe they don't know everything about the person because right. they've taken over that body completely. And I'm assuming it also means like memories and all. It's sense. not just... You know, the physical form, because they have to be able to emulate the voice. They have to be able to emulate, like, the interactions and the memories in between the characters, which they do as we learn later on as the film goes on. I think I read that even, like, the actors didn't know who was the thing. Obviously, when you have, like, tentacles for arms, you know you're the thing. You know that you're the thing. Right, right, right. You read in the script, you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to be the thing. (laughs) No, but I mean, like, when they're just having dialogue. Yeah. To add to the paranoia, even within, like, the actors. They Which I have... think was a, a great move by yeah. John Carpenter. Yeah. And then it, it really kind of leads up to the whole, like, 
package that he's trying to put together yeah. with creating this this film of paranoia. Yeah. So when they do finally, you know, kill off the the copy here, you know, then that's when he talks to Jerry about what's going on. And he also tells him that, hey, you know what? We got to make sure that we burn them all. God, what was happening to him? If it had more time to finish, it would have looked and sounded and acted just like Denny's. I don't know what you're saying. That was one of those things out there, trying to imitate him, Gary. Come on. But, Critty, I know Bennings. I've known him for ten years. He's my friend. We've got to burn the rest of them. Okay, now I realize that I've been calling him Jerry when it's Gary. So we won't go back and change that, and I'll try not to call him that. Maybe just because he makes me think of uh, Jerry from Rick and Morty for some reason. I don't know why. That's a good Uh, show. Yes, it is. So they get all the bodies out there, and they put them into the same pile, and they burn those extra bodies out there. So they made sure that those versions of the thing are completely gone. Uh, Everybody is still kind of wondering what's what's happening, uh, and that's when, as they're kind of going back and we see that McCready realizes that somebody is making some noise in the distance. And when he rushes over to the helicopter, he sees that uh, Dr. Diabetes is running away from the helicopter. He goes inside and it's been completely smashed. So he automatically thinks that possibly he's one of them, right? And that's where we get one of the longer clips because this is them actually chasing him down and then everything that kind of leads with the situation. And we'll chat about this one probably quite a bit when we come back. He smashed up some of the chopper pretty good. Charles, go see if he got to the tractor. Nobody gets in and out of here. Nobody! fantastic that whole scene is is a lot of fun but there is a lot of like way overacting from wilford burnley in that scene Jesus just Christ. just and, and you things, said it not me well no I, I totally understand what's going on there like it's it's ridiculous like just how he's just revving up his voice as he's revving up the axe yeah. to like destroy <laughs> that thing well, i'm gonna boom then you know and I understand that it might be a little bit lower than some of the other clips, but there's so much, like, banging that's going on, yeah. it's hard to 
make sure that everything's completely leveled just right. But you can get that feeling of what's going on with him in that scene. It, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. But it's fun. It's kind of fun to watch him, like, go crazy like that. And it's the, the most emotion just, that you see there in, you in a go. long time. Yeah, but then That's it was enough. too emotion overacting. <laughs> we can't just get well, it right on this We bitch. just can't win with her, guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. But you do see Hyde hiding in the yes. corner. Hyde. Yeah, you see Windows, he's down there, he's hiding because that's his control room, and basically (laughs) he's destroying it because, like I said, his thing is that he knows, he he feels like he knows exactly what's going on here and nobody else knows, and even though he's taking the notes and he's done all this stuff, but so he has to destroy any means that this thing can escape. Yeah. And he thinks, oh, well, the dogs, he even says, the dogs, are they're not going to run far distance on me. And that's why he had to kill the other dogs, because he didn't want to assimilate them. And he's assuming, I, I propose here, is that he knows that somebody else actually is it. That somebody's already been infected. And, of course, he believes it to be Clark, you know, and as we learn in a scene that comes shortly after this. Uh, but it's also ridiculous that... The thing with childs too, you don't want to kill anybody and then fucking start shooting at them. It's like, yeah, I guess you do. Uh, which makes me wonder too, like, and, and they, cause they don't quite go into it and you don't really see it, but it all has to be living tissue is what I'm assuming too, right? Yeah. When it comes down to the thing, because if he kills anybody, what's to say that they can't still try to assimilate and move forward because the body. makeup of the thing is different than us. Yeah. So it's just, then also they they barge into the room with the table, and you know as the perfect weapon, and he slams down the, the axe, axe on top yeah. of it. Ooh, can we talk about the fact that there's hella axes in this movie? Yeah, there's quite a bit. So many. Like, <laughs> it's funny. He kills the dog with an axe, mm-hmm. and we see the axe just like lodged into, into the, the dog's dog. neck. And then he doesn't take it out and goes, I'm going to continue with this axe. No, a bitch needs a different axe for this. I will leave this for dramatic effect. And then I will get a new brand new axe and do my thing. Well, yeah. So you go from the Norwegian axe. That was at the beginning of the film. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And they just left that axe there. They didn't bother to take it with them to see if there was anything different there. And then you have here, he uses multiple axes to do it. And then we get another axe scene later on in the movie, too. Yeah. And then he's shooting. Like, he's like, you, you, I can kill you. Yeah. All I was thinking about when we were listening to the clip, when I was like spacing out over there, was the contrast of later on him being like, I'm okay. Like, you guys, come on, let me back in. Like, (laughs) I'm totally okay. I swear. I (laughs) I know I just freaked out and I could have almost killed any of you, but let me in. Well, I say I love too at the end of that too, when he shoots the gun, he runs out of bullets. So he just tosses the fucking gun. Yeah. Hey, what are you going to... You know what? I think in a moment of panic, that's exactly what people what do. What you would do, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm going to stop you in some way, shape, or form, so I'm going to throw my fucking gun. My but gun. he's so quick on the draw to bring the axe back yeah. up <laughs> after he shot and thrown the gun. Yes. Because as they run in the room, all of a sudden, he's got the axe. Also, there's someone already in there, and he's not killing them. No. And why isn't he, when he starts shooting at Childs, why shoot doesn't he come, not just shoot, why does the guy from under the table, like, run out and try to, like, tackle him or something at that he point? He looks like a little bitch. <laughs> does he not? He does. He well, does. does. Like, even like from I. the beginning, like, he's too cool for school. And it's just like, bitch, you're a scientist. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. yeah. There. Well, you're just communications, right? 
Yeah. yeah. Just communications. Yeah. It's a phony major. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't actually care about anybody. He's just... Honestly, he was just trying to get the fuck out of there. So they do manage to subdue Blair here. And then they're going to take him out into a random shed. And that's where Blair is going to explain to McCready, who I guess, again, that he trusts. Trust because, him, yeah. you know, he's the one that can't possibly be the thing. And he's going to give him a little hint of who he thinks might actually be the thing. Yeah. What about your shack, McCready? I want him in my shack. We'll lock him in the tool shed. Why am I in? You want protection, How you doing, old boy? I don't know who to trust. I know what you mean, Blair. Trust's a tough thing to come by these days. Tell you what, why don't you just trust in the Lord? Watch, Clark. What? I said watch Clark and watch him close. Do you hear that at the end there? Yeah. yeah. Do you hear we? Yeah. So it makes me feel like Wilford Brimley was just drunk on the set the entire time that he was I, there. I would have never caught that if you had not said anything. Or maybe I would. I did catch it, but I didn't think you, of it. In terms of the movie, because and I didn't catch it, I, I don't think I've ever caught that before either. Mm-hmm. And it's just because when you're watching the movie, you're just watching. But when you're trying to like really, you're listening to the things and figure out, do I need to cut it here, cut it there? And I was like, wait, he just say we? You know, and maybe that is a different type of slip up. Maybe that was meant to be in there uh, for things that happen later on in the film. Who knows? But I like to believe that he was just drinking a little too much of that scotch that was there on the table. Actually, that was a white liquid that was on the table. So that was probably like vodka or something in that little thing. I thought you don't drink, uh, you, you drink clear liquids, don't you? Not vodka, tequila. Oh, okay. What about like dark tequila? No. No. It has to be just like... Like silver? Yes. Oh, How do you Jesus know? Christ. It's so smooth. Because when people drink tequila and they say, I like tequila, it's always Patron Silver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the one that everybody goes with. So, mm-hmm. But nonetheless, so he's got his little bottle of liquor there. And I think that's funny, too, is when he says, trust in the Lord, <laughs> like he's also has just like put the bottle down and put it like close to him. As he's walking away. Yeah. So I feel like he's talking about, not like God, but like basically trusting the booze because that's all he does. Like, again, it's one of those things like, is it that he's seclusive because he doesn't trust everybody? Is that the real reason why he doesn't want to get close to anybody and anybody really know who he is? And so that's why what makes him like the perfect guy to be like the one to figure out everything that's going on and why everybody also kind of trusts him at the same time because there's no drama with that dude. Right. He's just out there by himself. He doesn't get in anybody's business. He just he's there to do what you need him to do. He'll do it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So that could be the reason why he's that much cooler than everybody else. Yeah, it's that hat. We it's haven't talked hat. about his hat. We didn't talk about hat. his hat. And I think we even skipped over the hat. Why? So what a hat. real fast. Yeah. You're talking about the hat. Yeah. When we're going to talk about the hat, 
it's the hat that he goes when he goes on the flight for the second time, right? Ridiculous. So the first time he just like wearing something normal when he mm-hmm. flies out to the Norwegians. <laughs> but when he flies out, everybody else is wearing like the ear things and everything else. It's and cold. then he's got like a ten gallon hat yeah. with that ridiculous like side that's Fold. t- folded perfectly straight up. He's the only one wearing a cowboy hat yeah. out of everybody. Hey, speaking of cowboy, it's the whole um, you know, cowboy versus aliens. No, there's no Harrison of. Ford involved That's this one. Oh my Daniel god! Craig. I know who Harrison Ford is. Yay! <laughs> okay, I just started there's watching the Star Wars. There's one 80s reference, movie. you know. No, I just Where's started the clapping. Wa- Where's the clapping sound? Go. Thanks. I just started <laughs> watching Star Wars. So terrible, oh. terrible movies. Oh Let's Jesus Christ! Anyway, we're not here to bash on Star Wars. <laughs> no, because I can go on for days. So. Um, you and the rest of the internet, but <laughs> that's besides the point. Uh, so basically they've locked him up inside the shed, right? Now he's there. And also they've given him a ton of morphine. Like they seem to be, whenever they're going to subdue somebody, it's like, let's just bring out the fucking morphine. Like, why do you have it around here? You're just going to hang need out. need it for later. No, no, never need morphine. We might die, but whatever. But oh, whatever. But morphine fucking solves everything. Need it somebody does. to calm down? Morphine. You need somebody to be knocked out? Morphine. You need to kill somebody? Morphine. Yeah. Um, not that I would know anything about that. You were shot? No morphine no, for you. No, no, it's okay. So... After he's led him all, like, basically drugged up and inside of a shack in the middle of the fucking freezing. And that's the other thing. Is there anything in that shack to keep him fucking warm other than the clothes that he's fucking wearing? No. So you're going to let fucking Dr. Diabetes fucking freeze out there. Yeah, he wants to come back. <laughs> I want to come back inside. I'm different. I swear, you guys. So on the outside, they all kind of group up once again. And they basically try to figure out some way, is there some sort of test that they could do that would basically figure out who is the thing and who isn't the thing. Now, radio's gone. So are the choppers. Yeah, we're completely cut off. All we can do now is hold up till spring, wait for the rescue team. No, we don't wait. Somebody in this camp ain't what he appears to be. Right now, that may be one or two of us. By spring, it could be all of us. So how do we know who's human? If I was an imitation, a perfect imitation... How would you know if it was really me? Is there some kind of test, Doc? Well, yeah, possibly. I've been thinking about a blood serum test. What's that? We could take a sample of each person's blood. We could mix it with uncontaminated blood. I suppose if there's a reaction, we'd know who isn't human. We've got whole blood in storage. We can start working on that. Keep an eye on Clark. He's close to that dog. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, we need Blair's help. He's the only one who knows what this organism is. He's too far gone, Fuse. But get the rest of his notebooks and start going through it. So that's basically what they're going to do. They're going to... Fuchs is he's going to go out there, try to study the notebooks more, and he actually does kind of figure out a little more from what's going on with the notes but then he runs a miss of trouble in in just a little bit of time um they we go back and we follow the guys and they go back to find out where all the blood because they have all this extra blood that they've somehow got out there probably because in case something happens and they've got transfusable blood so that way if there's an accident you know guy's not going to bleed to death out there or anything but you know i don't think the blood is really uh going to be used very well 
because somebody's broken into it and they've completely destroyed all the blood that they have. It makes me wonder what exactly the test was going to be. Like, was it just going to be, do we make sure that the blood looks the same here that it looks in you? Like, it's never really explained. All we know is, oh yeah, I think I've got a blood test that we could run. Because they know that they could see, like, the different, maybe the different carriers you put it under the microscope and it's going to look a little different. But if it's imitating cells, everything's going to look basically the same as the other cells, right? So, I'm not sure what the blood test that they're going to do is. I mean, do you have any thoughts? It's... My thing was, um, I got really confused when they got to the blood that was destroyed. Mm -hmm. And why didn't they just steal it and hide it? And then they made it so that everything just kind of exploded or they cut it. I don't know what they did. They drank it. Who knows where even the blood went? Because that was a lot of blood for very little that we saw. So I didn't Mm -hmm. know where it went. And then... They blamed the two people that had access to the keys, and none of that made any sense to me. Well, let's hear them blame the two people that have oh, keys. <laughs> I got the only key. Would that test have worked, Doc? Oh, I think so. Somebody else sure has so. Well, who else could have used that key? Nobody. I just give it to Copper whenever he needs it. Could anybody have gotten it from you, Doc? I don't see how. As soon as I'm finished, I return it right away. Great. When was the last time you used it? Huh? A day or so ago, I guess. I suppose somebody could have lifted it off me. Oh, that's come all. on. That key ring of yours is always hooked to your belt. Well, it's not I'm accusing everybody. Hey, you stop it. Not any words. Copper's the only one who's got any business with it. Now, wait a minute, Gary. You've been in here on several occasions. Doc thought of the test. So what? Is that supposed to clear him? Bullshit. Why would he come here and take a No, window? this right through your head you guys gonna listen to gary you're gonna let him give the orders i mean he could be one of those things wait a minute just take it easy put the gun down put it down gary you don't want to hurt anybody right on the floor it's on the floor i don't know about copper i give you my word i did not go near that blood I guess you'll all feel a little easier if somebody else was in charge. Norris, I can't see anybody objecting to you. I'm sorry, fellas, but I, I, I'm not up to it. I'll take it. Oh, hell you will. Should be somebody a little more even-tempered. Okay. Even-tempered? Here's Childs again. Like, not... I don't know if he's just not getting it. <laughs> or he's just... He seems like the most, like untrustworthy person out of everybody because he doesn't believe that anybody could do what they're like said they could do yeah you know it's like okay he came up with the test to basically well yeah i get it you could be like well yeah he came up with the test but he's going to design the test in a way that he's going to say you You, are the thing even though he might be the thing i get that but at the same time it's just like no he's he's the most untrustworthy one like, yeah. well, what I mean is he doesn't trust anybody yes. at all. So in our perspective, you're like, oh, my God, are you the thing? Because you don't trust anybody. So, but 
I think that's the most natural and normal there is yeah. there, actually. Exactly. I think that, and that's kind of a weird thing, right? When you really step back and you look at it, it the natural thing would be if you don't know what the hell is going on yeah. and everybody, and you, there's this weird fucking thing that's going around there and that's assimilating people and there's an alien spaceship nearby and everything, you'd be like, shit, like, is anybody fucking telling the truth? Yeah. You'd be untrust, like, you wouldn't trust a single soul. You would only trust yourself yeah. Because at least that time you would know that you're at Fine. least human, yeah. right? Until the point that you aren't anything anymore. And so... The only thing is the fact that he's voicing how he doesn't trust this yes. test makes people be like, so you don't want to take the test because you're the fucking thing? That makes sense? But it's like, no. <laughs> no, that's, that's not the way it works. Know that. I mean, at that point, he's not. At this point, we know that he's, we would assume that he's not, he's not yeah. but it does yeah. give you that thing in the back of your mind, well, maybe he is, you yeah. know, or maybe he's not, but maybe, maybe he's he already is. assimilated to the point of like being really good at being exactly. Child. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of weird theories. I, I, there was one theory I read that we'll talk about probably at the end of it with everything that, you know, on who really is the thing or why certain things didn't work mm-hmm. in the way that you thought that they might actually work. So they're basically, you know, trying to blame everybody. And eventually, now McCready, he's the one that's going to be in charge. Because nobody trusts Gary. Nobody trusts Dr. Copper again, who have been calling Cooper this whole fucking time. Whoops. (laughs) Oh, well. Uh, And then nobody trusts Childs because Childs has a temper. And Childs is not very trustworthy and maybe just doing things to protect himself. Which, if you were the thing, it's probably what you would do. But then, at the same time. You'd probably do for yourself anyway. Or maybe as the thing, as you're learning the person you've assimilated into, you're more quiet and you're more reserved. And you're fucking McCready. Well, it would be why Norris. Yeah, McCready. But it would be one of the reasons why Norris doesn't take over the mantle. I don't like the way his name is spelled. That's the way it's spelled, though. It's McReady. McReady. I hate that. It's Mac. It's McReady is what it is. I'm not the one. You're not the one. I'm not the one with these last names. That's the way they spelt it on the back of the little jersey, too. And that's the problem with uh, Fuchs when he's out in the snow, Woo-hoo. right? He's out there because he's reading up on the stuff and he learns more about the thing. And then he goes outside because he thinks he's a noise where all the lights go off, right? And he takes his little candle. That flame on that candle is so big. Like, that was <laughs> the thing that like I noticed right away. I'm like... It's not like a normal candle. It's like the flame is like that big and the candle is, uh, yeah, you can see this too, by the way. Yeah. But she can see what I'm talking about. But it's like, it's like huge. It's like a five inch flame on a like seven inch candle. Yeah. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. And so he goes outside and he finds a shredded um, uh, outfit for McCready in the snow. And then you assume that he gets killed by the thing. While he's out there because and then this is supposed to be the possible red herring that maybe McCready is actually the The thing. thing. Mm -hmm. So they uh, they basically this is kind of a weird scene like they they go out there. They're going to go looking for Fuchs in just a little bit, but they are burning all the bodies outside all together and they're explaining kind of what's going on. And it's the line that is said by Kurt Russell at the beginning of this thing. And it's he says that, I know I'm human. And you've already brought up the question, do you really know that you're human? Or have you assimilated so far that maybe you don't know you're human anymore? Yeah. Are you like, even you? Yeah, exactly. Do you even and think? so 
here's what the plan is going to be uh, for them. And this is also when Fuchs gets, you know, kind of KO'd and stuff like that. But uh, we can listen to him in this little speech that he's got. I don't know. Is it supposed to, like, empower (laughs) the group? Or is it supposed to be like, I got my eye on you, you fuckers. You know, I'm going to come out and get you. I know I'm human. And if you were all these things, then you'd just attack me right now. So some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to. But it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. There's a storm hitting us in six hours. We're going to find out who's who. All right, Doc, Gary, and Clark, move over there away from the others. Norris, you and Childs, shoot him up with morphine. Tie him down in the rec room and watch him. Fuchs, you start working on a new tech. I need Doc's help. Yeah, you don't want to drug me. Mac, I'm not a prisoner! Uh, yeah, you are. You're totally a prisoner now. <laughs> you can nug it out. Yeah, exactly. I like the fact that it's like, you can't drug me. No, yeah, they can. You know, everything that you're saying that you can't do, they're going to do. Yeah. Because this is the, like, whole plan that he has. is Basically, keep sedated. If you're the thing, you're not going to really be able to do anything. And we're going to figure out the one way that we're going to be able to, like, you know, turn on you, I guess. And figure out whether or not you're evil. And so... It's just kind of crazy. So, you know, Fuchs goes back. He figures out whatever it is. He gets killed off. Yada, yada. Um, (laughs) Whatever. I know. But he's such a, like, a weird, like, non-character. Like, I could do without him. There's a bunch of characters in this movie that you don't necessarily need. No, he's not. That's that's Windows. Oh, that's right. Windows is Hyde. Fuchs is more like, uh, what's his name from Frasier? What's up with these fucking names? I know these names. You know, you know. So Mac Ready. Yeah. Windows. McCready. No. Bugs. Windows, Blairs, Nalls. Palmer. Yep. Childs. Copper. Norris. Bennings. Clark. Bennings is the bald one. Um, and then Fuchs and Windows. And so it, but a lot of these you could really you could just window this this cast down to about five. Five I think you could do. And it could be one by one they slowly but I guess, you know, having such a big cast that you don't know where exactly the thing is going to be amongst all these people. But like Clark, for example, the cook, I think you could totally just get rid of that character. I don't think that <laughs> character does anything. You can get rid of Windows, honestly, and you can get rid of Fuchs. No, don't get rid of Windows. Oh, just because he's cute doesn't mean that he needs to be he's, there. That's not what I said. Those are your words, not mine. Oh, um, you said he looks like the guy from that 70s show. And, mm. Hide. Hmm. Okay, he does. <laughs> when I point two people that look the same, it doesn't mean that I. But think... why would you want to keep oh, them okay. around? So by that argument, you mm-hmm. think um, Doctor Abiyus is, is hot. cute. You think Emil <laughs> is cute, Emil? You compared him. Oh no! So that no. must mean that you think he's cute because I compared two characters. No, but and the, you thought wasn't that, that I thought they were cute. Wasn't that? Mm. 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 I did it. Mm? Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have to listen to this again because I don't remember that. And he's like that hide. Mm. <laughs> I did not do that with a meal. 
<laughs> you and did. You just cut it out. Yeah, you sure. Just cut it out. That smile across the table also makes me think that's something else. <laughs> terrible. Absolutely oh, terrible. Terrible, terrible. Moving um, along. Moving along. Moving right along. Uh, so. Windows is dead. Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, not Windows. So Windows is So Fuchs is dead. Fuchs he's basically dead. out there. He's dead. And then that's where we cut back over and we see that McCready, he's sitting down in front of a tape recorder. Everybody else is basically doing what they need to do. And this is the character development that I was talking about. And I can talk a little more after we play the clip because I think that it actually does a lot for the character and the way that he's recording the whole message. But he's now like the leader. Everybody's kind of following what he's doing. And he's basically trying to leave like a note for anybody out there that may say end up finding them if they don't make it through the snowstorm. I'm going to hide this tape when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. Storm's been hitting us hard now for 48 hours. We still have nothing to go on. One other thing. I think it rips through your clothes when it takes you over. Windows found some shredded long johns, but the name tag was missing. They could be anybody's. Nobody nobody trusts anybody now. We're all very tired. Nobody trusts anybody now. nothing else I can do. Just wait. R.J. McCready, helicopter pilot, U.S. Outpost, number 31. Ooh, suspense. Suspenseful. Well, that's why I mean in terms of the character growth for him, the way that he's recording it. Because he goes through and he says, at that point where he says that, nobody trusts anybody he goes back and records over that piece Mm -hmm. and the main reason is to if anybody does find the tapes and this thing is still around there it doesn't alarm anybody on or if anybody there say finds it it doesn't alert the thing to what is going on and what he believes that is going on and so there's there's a lot to be gathered out of it because it also shows uh you know here he is he's this character that is you know a loner and has his own kind of thing and and he's stoic and he's able to get into these situations and handle them and everything and he hasn't really shown what the other characters have shown like that panic in there and this scene is that panic because he goes through and as he's saying it and he's just like he stops for a second and then he says those lines and it also not show that he is also kind of vulnerable and afraid in these little scenes he records over it as well so this is that growth so we actually see that he really is like like the drinking thing here is so that he can calm his nerves it's not for him to be just like oh i'm just i'm just going to record this for the hell of it you know so the character does get a little more growth in my mind when i see this part of the film but again He's the only one because he's the only character that we should even remotely care about. Yeah. Well, I think even us as an audience, do you really care about any other character? Hide. I'm telling you. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, you're right. Actually, I do care about the doctor. Dr. Blair? Yeah, which is weird because I don't like his decision making. But for whatever reason, like I'm rooting for that guy. He's the only one that shows, like, any type of action, like, right away. Even if it's the wrong action to take in destroying everything that's out there, it's still an action compared to everybody else, which is a little more reactionary to what's going on. Yeah. Also, Childs. I care about him. 
You care about childs? Yes. I give dude. a shit about childs. Dude, come on. You're what you're you feel that way because you're watching it through John Carpenter's like <laughs> fucking perspective, right? Mine is like if he's acting the way I would act, then I don't want childs to die because I am childs. Because that's the way that you would be. So you, that's exactly so that's, who I would so be. you're connecting to him on a personal level in, right. in that, and and maybe then for me, I'm connecting more to like the McCready type of thing, like in terms of. I mean, that's how you have it here at our work. Yeah, you literally are secluded in your own place. Exactly, I'm in my own little office out in the corner. You exactly. don't realize it, but I got a bottle of so Jane B that's underneath the relate desk on a personal. Level. I also have a chess wizard that's sitting over there in the corner that you and guys you never have, see. You pour your yeah, drink I, on it you know, and everything. That's a, you ever smell anything weird coming out of the office? <laughs> it's because I burnt my chess machine. For the day. There you go. It's an old Apple IIe chess machine. See, you relate to it on a personal level too, whether you want to admit it or not. But I relate to it on a personal level in terms of what he's trying to do in terms of keeping calm on the The outside. But on the inside, he's freaking out. Like, I think that's the character trait that I'm... Like, on the outside, he's very like, everybody needs him to stand up. Right. And they're relying on him. And he's being that rock for everybody Mm -hmm. uh, until shit goes crazy for him then then he snaps you know what's weird it comes down to trust and it doesn't make sense to trust someone who doesn't really speak their mind and tell you what's on their mind Mm. yet that's the person that they trust that they're trusting again i'm child right so i would hope people would trust me i'm gonna tell you what's good I'm going to tell you when I think I'm you're the thing. I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you when you're the thing. You're like, I think you're the thing. Let's do a test. Boom. And McCready will be like, no, no, maybe you're the thing. I'm really freaking out about it internally. Like, how do you, <laughs> how do I gauge what McCready's actually feeling? It's it's because he's trying to figure out what who the thing is without alarming anybody that he knows who the thing is. Because if he alarms the wrong person... Then maybe that person has loose lips and they're going to, you know, sink, sink thing ships and they're going to come out there and then they're going to unknowingly admit to the thing that that's the thing. Like, yeah, but if you can, I don't know, if you it's all point about out poise and tact. I guess. I guess. It's very <laughs> like, this is all about like men in crisis. This whole thing. They're secluded. Yeah. You're seeing you can, how all of these types of men mm-hmm. respond to this crisis. Exactly. And they're going towards. A guy who has secluded himself, who likes to be alone, uh, keeps things to himself. Because I feel like that's what is, I don't know, the picture of a person that has tact and poise. <laughs> but it's like, I don't think so. I think, I think, I don't know. I'm connected to Childs. I would go towards him. I know that Dr. Blair has proved himself completely useless. Um, even though he figured out all this shit, it doesn't matter because so, he freaked so you freaked out and he started shooting people. So you compare yourself to uh, Dr. Blair? No, I don't compare myself to Dr. Blair. I would never go off like that. <laughs> That's crazy. But if you <laughs> shut up, but it <laughs> but it does make sense that I forgot what I was going to say because you made that joke. Way to go, Brian. Way to go. All right. So they go outside and they start looking for Dr. Fuchs. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where they decide to split up with everybody and actually try to get some information more from Dr. Diabetes, which is this is when they ha- he has that change. And you can see in the way that McCready reacts to him and the face he reacts to him that he knows that things quite aren't right. 
Anybody see Fuchs? Somebody blew out a fuse in the lab. Lights were out in there for an hour. Any one of us could have gotten to him. All right. We got to find him. Nalls, why don't you come with me and we'll look outside. Palmer, you and Windows check the inside. I ain't going with Windows. I ain't going with him. I'll go with Child. Hey, fuck you, Palmer. I'm going with you. Who says I want you going with me? All right, cut the bullshit. Windows, you come with us. Norris, you stay here. Any of them move, you fry them. You hear anything. Anything at all, you cut loose on the sirens. We all meet back here in 20 minutes regardless. And everybody watch whoever you're with. Real close. Blair! Blair, have you seen Fuchs? I don't want to stay out here anymore. I want to come back inside. Funny things. I hear funny things Blair, out here. Have you come across Fuchs? It ain't Fuchs. It ain't Fuchs. I'm not going to harm anybody, and there's nothing wrong with me. And if there was, I'm all better now. I'd like to come back inside. Now, you got my promise. We'll see. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute, man. I want to come back inside, don't you understand it? I'm all right. I'm much better. And I won't harm anybody. And you've got to let me come back inside. Stop making fun of your future. I'm, 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 I'm doing the podcast here. I want to come back inside. <laughs> it's just, come on. Like, you couldn't tell that something else. And, and you know at this point, this is what kills me at, at, with McCready at this point, is that you can obviously tell that he's different. Mm-hmm. Completely different. Why didn't you just fucking kill him right there? Because he's a human. Because you think he's human at that no, point? No, because Because he McCready's is, human. Yeah. And he can't just be cold-blooded like that. That's right. And he hasn't snapped just yet. There you go. You came to your own conclusion there. You don't need me. <laughs> I just... I, I would think that, though, the initial reaction would be just to be like, look, he's... You saw him when you last talked to him, where he was so terrified of everything that's going out there. And then you come to him this time, and he's just like... It's not even that... Oh my God! He's like, oh, well, it's not Fuchs, you know. But I want to come back inside. I'm much better now, <laughs> you know. It's like, okay, why all of a sudden when you start talking like that, I'm gonna assume that you're not, and that that's that. I, I just I understand you. Like you said, he's human, and so he has that caring side to him. But I, I think, understand. I think him not assuming he's the thing is the real question. Like, why didn't you right there and then know mm-hmm. he's, he's the thing? That I agree with you. But killing him? I don't know. Mc, McCready? McCready? Whatever his name is. He seems, <laughs> the guy with the hat, he seems like he's a softy inside. So, okay. So he left him alive. 
Okay, yes. I'll just say that. Because and he's then, a human. Because he's human. And, and he's, he's a softy and Second gift, guessing himself, and he's a softy like you said. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he has a little bit of his own little soft side there. I yes. understand. So they, they're, now they're going to go out and search for him further, and they're going to go up to his shack because they see that there's a light on in the shack, and then all of a sudden the light goes out. Yeah. So somebody's up there in McCready's place, and he sends uh, Palmer back to the the place right and he just goes up there with clark because why only go up there with one other person and why be okay with that instead of going up with two these are just horror films i know it's just horror tropes that are going on here but we're just gonna completely just go by ourselves we don't need more people they go up to the the place and then we cut back and we see that everybody is waiting on mccready to come back and they're all like, Charles is getting impatient. Where could they possibly be? They've been out there for way too long and yada, yada, yada. Again, very normal reaction. It's a normal reaction. But as we're viewing it on the outside, it's like, why are you so like... Yeah, relax. Yeah, exactly. And so somebody does show up back at the place and it happens to be uh, Clark, right? And Clark, he believes now, as we're going to hear, that McCready is possibly a thing. Where's McGrady? I cut him loose on the line up by his shack. Cut him loose? Yeah. We're up checking around his place. I found this. Look. It was stashed in his own oil furnace. Wind must have dislodged it, but I don't think he saw me find it. I made sure I got ahead of him on the tow line on the way back. I cut him loose. McCready? He's one of them. When do you think it got to him? I don't know. Could have been any time, anywhere. If it did get to him. Hey, look, Childs, come on. The lights went out. That would have been the perfect time. Right. You said guys were missing and windows. Where were you? Hey, Palmer, where were you? Don't the lights went out. That's what it was. The players against each other. Let's open it. Hell no. You think he's changed into one of those things? Nothing human could have made it back here in this weather without a guide. Let's open it now. Why are you so damn anxious to let him in here? Because they're so close. Maybe our best chance to blow it away. No. Just let him freeze to death outside. Childs, what if we're wrong about him? Why then we're wrong? Supply window. All right. All right. We got no choice now. Damn it. He's got the keys. Torches on the floor and back off. Back off. Way off. You asshole. You'd have done the same thing. Don't argue with him. Where's the rap? Come on, hey, I'm in it! It's cool, but 
Rick, it's cool, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah, man. Just relax. Anybody touches me, here we go. Get him in here and bring the others. Now nobody gets out of my sight. Okay, so this whole scene, it's very long. I yes. get it. And the whole thing, but it was hard for me. I we talked a little during the break, or the clip I should say. Yeah. Uh that the reason I left it so long is I found it hard to break up. And actually get in the right spots without you losing anything out of it. It's weird to just stop at one point, then all of a sudden start up again. And I've I've tried to be better on that, but that's another thing. So all of a sudden, everybody just doesn't believe that McCready couldn't be a thing, and uh, it's because they found the the jacket in the snow that was torn up. Yeah. Right. And so now all of a sudden, for some reason, they all believe that that is a thing. Right. That. Even though only McCready was the one that told the audience and we did see it outside, it wasn't something that the other characters really knew about it. So you see that out there and he's like, I found this. And it says McCready on it. And you would think that since the last ones that they found, and maybe they all kind of came to this assumption, but McCready was the only one that knew that there wasn't a name on it. Like the name got torn off. And this is the one that you find that has a name on it. That's obviously somebody setting him up. Like, but maybe they just don't think in that and they're just not in that type of frame. So I, I get it, especially the way that Childs has been acting. It might be my response too. like you're saying the human response be, oh, shit, we found one. This one happens to have a name. McCready probably is a thing. And I like that as they're explaining it, then the door handle like starts to like turn and move yeah. like that. That little sense of tension, like it's like you're going to have to let me in here. But they're like, oh, there's no way, like, you can't let the guy through. And then he just breaks in. How does it go that fast from the door to, like, the other window to break into the place? <laughs> yeah. It's, like, almost instantaneous. Unless, of course, it's, it's like the thing at one. It makes plenty of sense. <laughs> uh, but it could be the thing at the door, and it could be him is coming from the other air. Yeah. I don't know. So he does break in there, and then when he's inside the, like, storage closet, mm-hmm. he's got the dynamite. Okay. What the fuck? Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay, so I don't know anything about dynamite. I don't know how sensitive it is. I don't know shit. But, like, people are are acting like he's going to do it. Like he's going to blow it up. And then they try something, and he still doesn't. And then he says, I will. And it's just like, I don't know, it kind of reminds you of, like, your mom. when She's like, if you don't <laughs> stop this, we're, I'm turning this car around. Doesn't. It's not going to do that. You're, yeah, not gonna, then, you're not going to kill us. Then she gets mad at you at some point and she hits you with the chonkla from across the room. She'll do something else, but she ain't turning the car around. No, He's not going to blow it up. parents are always the same way, right? You're going to have to get to where you're going at some point. Like, they're not going to spend 40 minutes driving somewhere in the 45th minute they tell you, well, we're going to turn this car around. You know, they're not going to turn the car around because they're almost at their destination. Yeah, he just needed, like, doubt. For like two seconds. And if he didn't have the dynamite, well, there I think would be no doubt. And people that's would why they him. tried to bum rush him from the back, which failed miserably as well. Yeah. Like, he threw both of them off of him so easily. <laughs> like, I get it. Maybe the Norris guy doesn't look like he can fight. But at the same time, I think there's a little bit of worry. I think 
he was basically trying to call the thing's bluff because if he had actually been like lit the thing, yeah. you know, if they've been like, go ahead, do it here, I'll do it for you. Like, I'm surprised Childs really didn't try to take the flamethrower and just say, okay, fucking burn him. But there could have been more TNT or dynamite inside the room as well. You're surprised? That he didn't do it? Yeah. Because, and it surprises Again. me in the next scene, because he, when he's out there, he's they, when he's trying to get in, he's trying to get in, man, you can't just let him freeze to death. Then he says, let him freeze to death. That's what he says. Right. So why is why is it not surprising that he doesn't take the flamethrower and just lights his fucking because ass on fire? Because let him freeze to... <clears throat> You're still killing a guy. No, no, no. But let him freeze to death isn't a direct action. It's indirect. You're literally saying... You can feel better about letting somebody freeze to correct. death than burn That's him? correct. That's correct. I, I don't think that... I think they're correlated because you're, you're responsible for his death. Exactly. Whether you want to believe it or not, That's correct. you are. It's not about the responsibility, though. You you see it. You do it by your own hands. This, something else is killing him. You can still feel bad and feel responsible all yeah, you want. Yeah, but you're responsible but it's very for being different. out there. No, it's very different to do it with your own hands. You sound like you've uh, thought about this before. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, please. No, I just think about, like, for whatever reason, it made me think of the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how the death penalty goes. Like, I would think, let him be in a cell let them be in a cell as opposed to like killing them through the death penalty for various reasons, which actually fits really well because if you think about it, like a lot of the death penalty stuff, like they find out that they're actually innocent and then you kill them. Um, but that's like another story for another day. That most I have very strong is. feelings about the death penalty. But um, yeah, I, I think it's very different to kill someone by your own hands. I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that you don't think that. I but think like, that you're killing it, him either way in that you fine. are – Yeah, but I I think – I'm not saying it's as strong, but where he says, like, I don't care if he's out there and he dies, you're still killing him. Oh. And you're okay with it. It's something else that he says later. Like, either or. Then when you get to this point, if you were going to kill him, then just fucking kill him. If you think he's the thing, why don't you just fucking kill him? That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. You're going to kill him by leaving him outside. And whether it's direct or indirect – you're still causing his death. Yeah. We're here. Yes, it's direct that you're gonna, but you you thought he was the thing, and now that he's holding dynamite, you're not gonna just blow him up. And, and I understand with the dynamite and the flamethrower, you're probably gonna hit the flamethrower, the dynamite more than not. Yeah. But they they don't have other weapons with them. There's other guns, knives, things that you could hit him in the forehead. I mean, this is like a sci-fi That's movie. Fine. See that I understand. Little things that you can do to disarm him to put him. Like, throw him on his ass. Whatever. That's totally fine. But flamethrower, like, he's going to die. Yeah. you were, And he was just about to die a little bit ago. You're going to let him freeze out there. Look at his beard. It's, it's just completely utter ice. Hi, Brian. It's different. Uh, I don't feel it's different. It is. One is direct. One is indirect. But you're still going to kill him. Out of sight. Out of mind. It's not going to be out of mind because you're going to be responsible for that for the rest. That's totally the way Because I, I think. I'm like, okay, put that person in there. That person's going to die. Okay, this person needs to die. Okay, Brian, I, uh-huh. think of whoever you want. Freaking, I don't know, anybody. This person <laughs> needs to die. And I go up to you and I go, okay, so you can either kill him by putting him in this box and he will eventually die. Or here's a gun. Shoot him. And I have to, if you're forcing me to kill him, then I would rather have it over for that person. Instead of dying a horrible death, let's shoot him in the head. Oh, my god! Because it'd be instant. <laughs> okay, that was a bad example because no, it makes but, you think of the humanity side of it. But 
here's the thing is I'm that, talking about your responsibility. But if you, if, you give me, if you give me a choice of to kill, I'm more like Windows. Just let him in. Okay. That would have been my response. I don't want to kill him. Okay. Just let him in. So because Childs has made it very clear known that he wanted that he to kill wants him. wants to kill, then it doesn't make sense to not want to kill this guy. Exactly. I get what you're saying. I still disagree. <laughs> I get what you're saying, though. I really do. Like, because, yeah, that makes sense. Because of something that happens in a bit and with Childs. Okay, but up we'll to this point. But up to this point. <laughs> so basically, he's now there. He's got the dynamite and he's ready to go and basically force everybody to go into a room and he's going to do a little test. Well, actually, he throws Norris off. There's a whole big section I was about to skip over. Mm -hmm. He throws Norris off of him, who's one of the guys that's trying to detain him, Mm -hmm. and then he starts breathing really heavily, right? And when he does that, uh, they take him over into, like, the medical room. They get copper because no longer the effects of morphine, and they basically start trying to bring him back to life. And, again, this is another one of those great, like, practical effects. It's practical mixed with a special effect because it doesn't all happen. You can tell where the green screen is for what's going on, but it still holds up and looks pretty good. Uh, and this is him trying to do the compressions on his chest. And then they're, all, like, they're all, you know, Childs is still trying to get at McCready, and they're trying to save the guy, and then finally they bring over the... the defibrillator and do it once and then when they go to the second time that's where the chest opens up into teeth (laughs) and just destroys uh his hands and so it basically just bites him off at the elbows like he's he's there he pushes his hands it goes through and you can like i said you can see a little of the green screen where they kind of put his hands and then the, the things chomp over but it's still like the effect and everything looks really good uh, and of course, Copper is screaming. We find out that, you know, that Norris has been a thing. How long has he been a thing? We don't know, but he's the one that everybody should have been watching out for. And so it starts like growing. The head starts growing up and separating from the body. And eventually the head like pops off the body as they're flamethrowing the rest of the body. Yeah, no one notices that. Like, nobody notices the head. Until it sprouts legs and it starts walking around like a little spider uh, along the ground. And then eventually it tries to leave, like tiptoe itself out the way out of <laughs> the room. And then uh, it is seen by, um, you know, McCready. And McCready turns around and, and also windows as well. Yeah. And then they flamethrower it and destroy the, the head as well. So. It's just, it's a frantic scene because the, the monster's growing. They're trying to get the fire on it. He's still holding the dynamite for some reason because he's trying to get them to save and not, you know, do anything to him and prove that he's not the thing. And uh, eventually it gets them to where now McCready has an idea and he has a test that he's going to run everybody through. And let's hear a little bit about what the actual test is. And this is where I also have the issue with Childs because what happens in the scene with Clark and McCready because Clark tries to bum rush him and then McCready kills him. Mm -hmm. And it's what Clark says to him when he said, just let McCready stay out there and fucking freeze. What do you got in mind? A little test. Windows. You and Palmer. Cut everybody down real tight. What for? For your health. Come on, let's rush him. He's not going to blow us all up. No, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's, let's do what Max says. I mean, uh, he wasted Norris pretty quick, didn't he? That's close enough, Clark. He ain't tying me up. 
Then I'll have to kill you, Charles. Then kill me. I mean it. I guess you do. This is bullshit, Mac. Finish it, Palmer. They're dead, Mac. Windows. You tie up Palmer over here. We're gonna draw a little bit of everybody's blood. We're gonna find out who's the thing. Watching Norris in there gave me the idea that maybe every part of him was a whole. Every little piece was an individual animal with a built-in desire to protect its own life. You see, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. No blood from one of you things won't obey when it's attacked. It'll try and survive. Crawl away from a hot needle, say. So here we are in probably the, the best-known scene from the movie. This thing has been mocked in many different ways. In fact, one of my favorite, like, claymation artists, this guy Lee Hardcastle, he did, like, two or three different versions. He has one called Clay Cat, which you can see on YouTube. It's Clay Cat's the thing where he puts a little clay cat in all the different situations for this. And then he did a version where he did clay models of the frozen people. And it's Elsa uh, as, you know, the one that's getting her blood tested uh, and all that stuff. And it's God. it's funny. It's interesting. But this is this is it. So... Basically, because he noticed that the head came off and that it scurried away like a little scared crab or something like that, uh, that each part of it, even the blood, is probably a part of the thing. So whereas with humans, he says it, when you cut somebody and you bleed, it's just tissue. When you cut the thing, then it's actually still a piece of the thing. So it will react to anything and it has a fight or flight type of response if something's going to danger it or put it in danger can we talk about the fact that while they're cutting their finger so close to their fingernail they act totally like stoic about it well that's because they're manly men oh my god (laughs) jesus christ but no yeah they're well it's ridiculous too because the way that they cut them and they put it in there it's like a couple of drops of blood, but then when they showed like the thing, there's like tons so of fucking blood yeah, in there. Yeah, my God, Jesus! It's like ridiculous okay? amounts of blood. So he's basically taking a wire and he's neat, like carved it down to a point. Yeah. So that way, it's basically the metal that's in there, not necessarily all the covering for the wire. And then he's heating it up with the edge of the flamethrower, and he begins dipping it into everybody's blood. Mm-hmm. And so the first one, of course, everybody's fine. You know, and that's Clark that's on the table who bum rushed him and he shot out of, you know, because he was, it was a fire flight type of response type of thing. And now he's a murderer. And now he's considered Which Childs points out, right? Childs does. And yeah. that's why I call him a hypocrite because he was willing to fucking kill him and leave him out in the snow. But, but it's. We're not going to get into that oh again. Oh my God, I cannot. <laughs> but that's, that's me. That's the way that I think. If you're going to kill somebody, you're going to kill somebody, you know. But if somebody's going to kill you, that's self-defense. It's not a murderer. Self-defense. No. So, they're dead on the table. Copper's dead because his arms have gotten bit off. And Clark is dead. And they test both their blood and they're not the thing. Then, 
it's when they go to test the last person. And, and Gary is like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe you're doing this. Wait, before you even go there, so funny how they discover that they're not the thing. And then they're like, untie me. And then it just cuts to them holding like... The, the flamethrower. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, because all of a sudden they realize that something is okay. Right, so and it gets after this scene. It gets probably one of my favorite lines in the whole fucking movie that we'll play. Okay. Um, but so he does the test, mm-hmm. and when he gets to Palmer, who's our big weed smoker guy, uh, he goes to put the needle in, and of course the blood reacts right away, and it like jumps out of the little tray, like it's trying to get away because it doesn't want to get harmed, and that causes the transformation effect with uh, Palmer. Mm-hmm. Where there is a little bit of like claymation and there is a little bit of uh, stop motion that's going on with the blood that starts coming out of him and how it expands out. And it again, it gets the, the Demogorgon type of look with the different things. And it's like, it's this like big mouth with teeth. And Windows goes over to the stop it. And unfortunately, Windows gets it. Um, and you see that McCready, he's struggling to get the flamethrower, like, actually working. You see the flame coming out, but it's like, hey, a little itty-bitty flames. It's nothing, like, big. And so he, he can't get it, and the monster grabs poor Windows by the head and starts just, like, chomping on him. And start trying to devour him. Hide. And I can see there's a tear coming to your eye. Hide. No. <laughs> no, I can't believe that's He had to on. die. They all had to die. So he's basically getting eaten over there. The flamethrower comes and starts working again, and we set Palmer on fire, or his version of the thing on fire. Uh, And then they come back and they set uh, windows on fire as well, because after they chase Palmer out into the snow, you know, he's transforming over in the corner because it only takes a little bit to actually start them, like, to be infected into the body. So some of it transferred in there and they set that one on fire and they test everybody else's blood. So Clark's been tested and Childs has been tested. So they're totally clean as well as McCready. And he was the very first one. He's going to show you what I know. And that's, you know, make sure that everybody knew he was, but then we got Gary being tested and this is possibly my favorite line from the whole movie. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! I just, I, I love, love the way that it's delivered. It's perfect. Because he's so, like, deadpan calm. and yeah. calm. Yeah. And then then he's just like, just get me the fuck out of here! I love it. Yeah. It's great. Um, and it's probably one of the most quoted lines from the movie. So, now, they've figured out kind of... Everybody there that they believe everybody there is not the thing, mm-hmm. right? The blood test worked. There's no fight or flight type of response from any of those guys from their blood. So there's only one person left that's still out there that could possibly be the thing. And it's Dr. Diabetes. <laughs> yeah. And so they decide to go out there to the shed to see what's going on. They're going to leave Childs behind just to... I guess, watch over the place, make sure that he doesn't come back, because they need one person in case he does come back into the place to stop him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the three of them then go out to the shed, and when they get to the shed... Why not two and two? Yeah, that that doesn't make any sense to me either, Wiley. Maybe because they felt Childs could hold his own, and maybe the other two couldn't. Yes, he can. So you got Gary, you have Clark, and you have McCready go to the shed... 
and there's no Dr. Blair. He's completely gone. And so that's when they discover that underneath the shed, there's a tunnel, and he's built something there down below. Hey, Blair! You down there? We got something for you! Some kind. He stole the parts from the helicopter. Smart SOB. Put it together piece by piece. Where was he trying to go? Any place but here. So, this is the most ridiculous thing in the movie. Is the fact that Blair was able to build a spaceship in that little bit of time Mm -hmm. underneath the shed. He was able to dig out the snow Mm -hmm. enough So that there was nowhere, you know, nobody knew what was going on down there. Perfectly structured so that way it doesn't cave in on itself to build his spaceship to get the fuck out of there. With parts from the helicopter and some other things out there. I'll agree that that does not make sense. There you go. That, how long, how long was he out there in that thing? He was out there for at least, mm, let's say, seven hours. More than that. Probably like 12. Because they said in six hours at that night, there was going to be the big snowstorm. Mm -hmm. And this is the next day because it's bright out there. Or at least there's some brightness out there. So he had a good amount of time to build it. But it's basically fucking complete. Like the whole thing. And it looks like a standard spaceship at the same time. So it's it's so ridiculous that they were able to do that. And then, of course, he's out there running out there. They look into the distance when they get upstairs because they do manage to blow up the spaceship by throwing one of those grenades down there. And then they see that Childs is running off in the distance. They're like, where is he going? And, like, nobody thinks about where he possibly is going. But they need to find out where Blair is. And they figure out because all of a sudden all the power and the lights go out that it has a plan. And let's find out what that plan actually is. Got back inside and blew the generator. Six hours, it'll be a hundred below in here. Well, that's suicide. Not for that thing. It wants to freeze now. It's got no way out of here. It just wants to go to sleep in the cold until the rescue team finds it. What can we do? What can we do? Whether we make it or not, we can't let the thing freeze again. Maybe we'll just warm things up a little around here. We're not getting out of here alive. But neither is that thing. So, they're basically going to kill themselves. Because they're going to go out there. They're going to fuck up all its plans, right? What it has, it just wants to go back to sleep until whenever something else discovers it. Because, hey, that's the way. But they, the way that it seems with this whole thing, was it really coming to this planet because it was going to try to assimilate and take over the planet? Or was it like, did it like crash here or something like that? Is that all? And really, it was just trying to get home. Maybe this was just 
another version of fucking E.T. just wanted to go home, and yet everybody thinks that, oh, it's evil because it can assimilate and become one of us, that we have to kill it and we have to destroy it. That's... You know, it could have been just building that spaceship just so we can get out of there. Yeah. It's all fight or flight for both of them, right? Yeah. Because the humans don't really understand what's going on, and they think that it's evil and it's going to hurt them. And then the thing, just like the dog at the beginning of the movie... It was just there to get yeah. away from being killed. Yeah. And so it's just doing it a fight do because it's being attacked. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe it wasn't going to do shit. Oh, and then everything was fine until they confined it. Exactly. And now it's got a flight response, right? What? If they just let the dog walk around, maybe nothing would have happened. But now they've got a, a you know an alien thing. And, and that's the worry. And that's part of that paranoia that they've set out that they automatically think it's going to be evil because it's unknown to them. Right? So they decide that they're going to go down and they're going to, they go to the generator and they find out the generator is gone. Not mm-hmm. that it's like he's destroyed or everything. He's stolen the generator. Yeah. I, I love it. It's gone. All right. Well, how can it be fixed? No, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they decide, okay, well, we're just going to blow up the whole place. That's it. We're just going to make sure that he can't freeze. We're going to set this whole fucking place on fire. We're going to do whatever we need to do. And so they start setting the charges like everywhere. Uh, and then that's where we see uh, Dr. Diabetes come back as a thing. And he attacks Gary in probably one of the worst ways that anybody has died in the film so far. Where he shoves his like hand into his mouth and starts assimilating him from Jesus. his face. Like, I think out of everybody, that was the worst way to go. Yes, you know, yeah. it sucks to get your arms chomped off and to get a couple <laughs> of things. Sucks. It does. It kind of <laughs> does. But the fact that he's like alive and suffocating with, cause he can't do anything with his hands or his mouth. Yeah. Cause it's, it's in his face too. And it, you can just see the, the like fingers like coming out of the sides of his cheeks. And mm. it's just, oof, it's a terrible way to go. So Gary goes down. And then we cut back to Clark and McCready because they're still setting everything. And they're going to set one line left of dynamite back in the corner. And McCready is getting ready for his, like, comical Looney Tunes plunger uh, back there to get ready. And Clark, he gets swallowed up by one of the monsters as well. Like, another part of the thing. Like, And that's where, like, the tentacle comes out and, like, starts destroying everything. Uh, and you also get the other line. I didn't want to just drag it because it's like a second or two seconds where, you know, he sees it coming. It's coming after it busts out of the ground and you see the, like the dog head and all the different forms like that he's tried to take. But now it's just kind of a huge tentacle monster like it belongs in some type of terrible anime hentai or something like that. The tentacles coming out after him and he throws the stick of dynamite, you know, because the monster yells and he goes, well, fuck you too. And then everything blows up. So he manages to end the the, the threat of the thing. Uh, and he manages to also fuck himself because he's basically going to freeze yeah. outside. <laughs> and that's when we learn that there's one person left that's still alive with him. Yeah. And it's your boy child. That's right. And that's where we get the last lines of the movie and we get the last moments of the movie where it's up to the viewer to decide who is the thing. You the only one who made it? Not the only one. Did you kill it? Where were you, Charles? 
thought I saw Blair. I went out after him. Got lost in the storm. Fire's got the temperature up all over the camp. Won't last long, though. Neither will we. How will we make it? Maybe we should. If you're worried about me... If we've got any surprises for each other... I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. And so that was the thing. Um, that's the thing about the that's, thing. That's the thing about the thing. So one of the things here at the end of it is that there's a lot of talk of whether or not one of them or both of them or neither of them are actually the thing at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of thought that it is McCready because the blood test that McCready does, like the way they describes it since it's like a fight or flight type of thing is that when he does it, he knows that who he is. So if it's his blood that comes from it, that when he does it, he knows that he's not going to die because he's in control of the situation. So there is no flight or fight response when he burns the blood. He's doing it to himself. He's doing it to himself, right? Where the other guys, the, even the things don't know if they're things. Right. right. It could be that they're, they're just trying to play into the paranoia with everybody. But kind of if it's all part of the same thing and they're all just different cells of it, then I think that theory kind of collapses on mm-hmm. itself a little bit just because it would know that that's a thing and that he wouldn't be doing that type of thing to himself. So, But that's one of the theories. The other one is because of the sequel of the game that Childs is dead. They actually find Childs's body um, that he may have actually been one still. Like, he may have actually been a thing at the end of the movie. And that by him, McCready, because he gives him a bottle to drink. Exactly. And that inside the bottle, and, and McCready doesn't drink from it. And McCready's been drinking from that the entire movie. That there's something in the bottle that is uh, meant to kill him. Yeah. 
And so he gives him the bottle and the alien's like, oh, I just, I'm one of the guys. We're going to drink before we do this and drinks. And then he dies because he got poisoned. If you didn't know about the sequel. If I didn't know about the sequel game, um, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have known. I would assume that McCready was, I think that, that's why I like, I, I don't like necessarily from what I understand, there are things that the game does right in terms of like the paranoia stuff that the movie does. It does like that. If there wasn't a prequel and there wasn't a game, I would have liked this like little section of time. Like everything, the way that it was set up and the way that it leaves you guessing at the end, I don't think that you could necessarily come to your conclusions. It would be one of those like, uh, you know, conspiracy theory type things or you want to put all the dots together and this is why this means this. Like, I could go and do that if I didn't know about what they even say with the game. Because, like you said, with even the script, they didn't know who was the thing. I think even here at the end of the movie, they didn't know who was really the thing. Yeah. If there was one. And that is kind of reflected even in the way that they look each other in the eyes. Because it's not really known. I think it's cool because if one of them is the thing, now they're both the thing because they shared a drink. If neither of them of them are a thing then they die anyway yeah <laughs> they're dead no matter what well if one of them happens to be the thing they can just freeze then he and, just freezes and yeah. he's back later but if they're both human they're both they're dead. both dead and there's no yeah nobody's gonna know what the hell's going on over there yeah but the fact that there's a sequel one of them was a thing yeah that think, means that something had to be had to be a thing yeah or that the thing still survived and who knows when, whenever they got there. So I, I've never done anything with the game. I've never played the game, so right. I don't really know. I've seen the, the prequel movie. Mm-hmm. And it is cool how it transitions at the end to the beginning of this movie. I like that. The rest of it, it was okay. Okay. Like, I, there's just some type of, like, nostalgia with this. Yeah. And they tried to recreate a lot of the paranoia. And it actually, I feel, takes away from a little of the paranoia that exists in this. Right. Because as a first-time watcher, when you see it and you know nothing about anything else that's out there, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, you're, you're kind of drawn into it at that moment. At least I feel um, in into that realm of paranoia. But if you knew about the other one, oh, yeah, that's... That's the thing. It takes away a little bit from that paranoia of this film. Yeah, I definitely won't be watching the prequel, the sequel, the game, nothing. <laughs> but um, I kind of feel a little bit like as after I was done watching the movie, I kind of felt that I understood what some of the critics felt mm-hmm. when the movie first came out. Um, I didn't like it, and I was like, I'm never watching this again. However... Once I sat down and started writing notes, mm-hmm. because I can't just come in here and say, like, I didn't like the movie and it's terrible. Well, especially if you're going to use that accent or anything like that. Whatever. So I was like, I need something to talk about. So it made me, like, go research, see, like, find out more about the movie, how it's made, mm-hmm. um, all these things. And so now I kind of feel like full circle with how the reviews went, right? In the beginning when the movie first came out. Didn't win any Oscars, wasn't nominated, like there was nothing. People didn't like it. And then it got released uh, for like everyone to just watch whenever. Mm-hmm. And then it gained traction and then people really liked it. So I kind of felt like I went through that. Not necessarily that I like it now, but more so like 
it's more interesting than I originally than you thought. Than the yeah. very first watch through. The very where first watch, I was like, like Jesus. I was why like, am I watching this? Yeah, why, why the this? aliens? It's always about the aliens. But then this one, I'm like, oh, I get it. I don't really watch movies where the characters are secondary, where mm-hmm. they're kind of props. And it really is about the thing. Correct. I never really watched that. Um, I don't really watch '80s movies either, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. now you've now forced you to watch one of the many '80s movies. So the next time you're on the podcast, we're gonna have to go up a year, one year. <laughs> Maybe Please we'll go up a decade movies. and we'll do '90s movies. Did you already do Ready or Not? No, I haven't. I okay, did a listen. video. There's a video review on the YouTube channel. Listen, when you're ready to do that, give me a call. <laughs> give me a call. So. Ready. That's one of the things that I really like what you've explained about the film, like mm-hmm. what you've just said is one of the reasons why I really like the film. And mm-hmm. it's because you can infer, I feel, so much more from the the way that it's shot to how it's uh how the characters interact, how the characters really are truly secondary to everything that's it's more about the feeling of paranoia, paranoia. and yeah. for the audience to be constantly guessing what's going on. It's not about the characters figuring it out. It's about you figuring it out, which is why like, I feel this is one of John Carpenter's, if not the best direction that he's ever done for a film. Which is I crazy think there's, because which is crazy. There is and, and I love Halloween. I would be say, say it's kind of weird for me to say that I've been an okay fan of the Halloween franchise. What? When it comes to slashers, Michael Myers was the last person I was introduced to. Oh, okay. I thought you meant right? the last person I like. I was like, no, no, no. no, no it was no. the last one. And it, I understand Halloween and everything like that. But it just, like, I feel like the, the Michael Myers himself just being this unstoppable force type of person. Love like, it. I feel like the Jason Voorhees type thing does it better than, than him. And then. Freddy Krueger for me is the ultimate because it's the stuff of nightmares, man. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and but the fact that the character is so likable at the same time so scary that it's yeah. done so like that's done so well that I can't break myself from that. And that was really one of the first type of scary movies that I really had a a clear inkling or link to. Mm-hmm. In terms of the slashers of the eighties, because there's a shit ton of slashers, and it you know those ones, Wes Craven uh, and and John Carpenter are the two masters of of the this type of horror. But I just feel that it's it's because that there isn't that horror horror. Like even with a slasher, there's still like the tension and a lot of times of going behind in the mask of the slasher. And you're you're going through after the victim, so you have the feeling of being that killer, mm-hmm. and that's where you get the scare from because you know that they're unaware of what's going on. And this takes that formula, but puts it onto feelings of dread and paranoia. Yeah, and that's what makes this movie so special that you really feel like you can't trust anybody in this film. The fact that people are still arguing. About whether or not McCready became a thing or not and finding new things. I think I found an article from 2017 where they were trying to discuss, I mean, which is only, you know, about two years ago, a little over two years ago now from when it came out. I'm, but I still. Think it was, but still, that people are doing this. And they're still trying to dissect it and they're trying to create more from it. It's It's crazy. And that's why I feel like this is one of his crowning achievements in cinema. Because even if you had a terrible cast, I think still feel like I would be I would I wouldn't maybe be in love with this film because I do feel that even though they're secondary I feel the cast still does its job 
well enough to, for me to really care about some of the actions and the way because if if I'm gonna bitch about something means I cared about at least the characters a little bit. If I'm not, that means I didn't give a shit about what was going on and what was ever gonna happen to them, right? Right. Like, why do I disagree with the way Childs acts, or why do I? Why does you know? Wilfred Brimley's character do this and the big change and why can't you see it you know it's because he made me feel a little bit or the actress made me feel a little bit for the characters and connect into those characters too so that's why I I like this movie so much and it's one of my favorite films and why you know I can gush over this movie when I talk about it but it's a good conversation for the two of us to have because I can see where you're coming from it too at the same time which I get it. And, and maybe this is one of those things where I say, if you've never seen it before and you're just seeing it now, maybe it might not be a film for you. you yeah. Know? I'm not going to watch this film again. Like, yeah. even if I'm like, okay, so now that I've watched it, I really want people to go see it, right? Uh-huh. Because I'm on a podcast about it. And it'd be cool if you know what, if you knew the, what the, fuck the movie I'm talking was about. before. Yeah. yeah. So as you're listening to me talk about this podcast or this movie, Go see it so that you know what I'm talking about. However, if they're like, I'll only watch it if you watch it with me. Mm, can I be doing something else while you watch it, though? Can I play on my phone like, for a I'll little bit? I'll be there, but like, can I be doing something else? Yeah, because it's, it's... I got some candy to crush, man. It's a little slow. <laughs> the dialogue isn't the best. It's not. Um, It really is about the thing, and it's about how gross it is, <laughs> in my opinion. So, when we get to that... We're going to have to write the movie because I make everybody do that for me. And so what would you put the gore factor of the film? It's a three out of five and you can kind of give... Three out of five? No, well, sorry. It's out of five. I was like, you're already writing it. Okay. Gore-wise? Yes. It's hard because I really like the Saw movies. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just like off the charts most times with gore. And also the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was really gory in my opinion i guess a two and a half three yeah see i give it a three out of five that's where i'm at because the gore comes from the monster yeah and it being disgusting yeah but it doesn't really happen to the people like when you see the people die the two people get shot in the head but it's just bullet holes that pretty much you see except for the norwegian guy it looks like something shoots out from the front and then when copper loses his arms yeah, yes. And then... And then the well, bodies. And then, yes, which are frozen. Yes. So it's not the so same thing. it's not thing. Like the same, yeah. And then when that one guy get his, gets when his he gets head. his head bit off, that's yeah. probably the most gory scene But he doesn't even get cut off. I don't know if no, you remember. No, it doesn't. It just, he just like, falls off and he just... It's all bloody. He's just bloody. And that's it. So it's not... Like, it's not more like gore. the creature effects. Right. Yeah, so gore. that's why I give it a three. Because cool. it can be disgusting five. to some people and other people it might not be that bad. Yeah. So right in the middle. Okay, uh, the crap factor. How crappy do you think the, the movie was? And that's also out of five. <laughs> crappy in what way? <laughs> you just have to think about... So like, for for example, if I go with mine, I give it a two out of five because some of the dialogue, like you say, is terrible. Yeah. A couple of the acting scenes is terrible. The intro to the movie is really slow and boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't pick up until about the 40-minute mark, 35-minute mark is when it really starts picking up. But to me, there's a lot of buildup in those scenes, too, that kind of even that out. So that's why it's not like a three out of five. Got it's it. more like a two. So five being the crappiest? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and one being the least. It's always a, from one to... Yeah, I would give it like a four or 3.5. Yeah. <laughs> With these freaking half numbers. 
I would say <laughs> fine. I'll just give it a four That's because fine. half numbers are fine too. Yeah, but I feel more for uh, four definitely for me um, because I'm not going to watch this movie again. That's understandable. Only, I think the only reason I would recommend it for someone again is because I'm on this podcast and I want people to know what, <laughs> what I'm talking about. But it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't have that nostalgia thing for me. And, and, and that it does might be have some that of for that. you. It's the same thing with Star Wars, by the way. If you're a Star Wars fan, it has everything to do with nostalgia. Just going to say that out. It, when you see it. For some people, it's at the point that you see it in your life. Because even kids that see the originals nowadays with the Star Wars things can be hooked into it. So then the fun. Fun factor is how much fun do you have watching? did you have watching this film? That's also out of five. Okay. It helps that I watched it with someone. Okay. So had I been watching it by myself, it would have been like a two. Okay. But because I watched it with someone, I was like at a three. Okay, so for me it's a five because I <laughs> of course have, well that see it. that's I it's you're right it's the time that I watched the film and the the memories that I have with it yeah. and then still being wowed when I see it again like it's one of those films when I see those scenes really? yeah it's still like I look at it as man that still holds up so well look at how well the artwork is done look at how well the effect is did done. you know that when they're doing those that so, autopsy mm-hmm. those are real animal organs and shit that's out there that they put on the, t- the table and that everyone was squeamish except dr blair yeah. or whoever plays dr Brimley. yeah wolford brimley yeah him he was like i'm doing this scene you know what i mean but like I'm doing this <laughs> yeah just like that um sound yeah. more like sam elliott than uh wolford yes, brimley so, so it was real yeah i think i'm more wowed by what I learned behind the scenes. Than what you than saw what on the I screen. saw. Yeah, because when, you know, we discovered that the guy who did the effects was 22. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's huge. I'm 26. I'm, I'm, I'm God, a failure. God, you're so old in compared to when he I'm did this. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so old now. I'm almost 27. Oh, boy. So, old. yeah, so, but for me, it's, it's a lot of that. Like, yeah. yes, there is a little bit of slowness in the beginning, but I like the way that it's crafted. I... There's different points in my life and different things I've been doing, especially since I've been doing this podcast and the way that I approach films now. You know, I don't always have to approach them the way that like, oh, how for a podcast type thing. But the way that I look at them for this, it makes me appreciate what things are being done. So for me, it becomes a lot more fun in that regard. So the overall rating for the film. So you're going to give it out of five. Overall, it doesn't have to be an average of what you're doing. It just has to be five out of five. What? Or a four out of five, or two out of five, or one out of five. Yeah, two out of five. Two out of five what? Two out of five, like, rating for this movie? That sucks, <laughs> in my opinion. So, so two out of five. We'll just leave it there for, for yeah. that. So two out of five. So for me, it's still a five out of five. It's <laughs> it's rare. I don't give many films on this thing. It is. But I don't give many things on this podcast five out of fives at all, even the nostalgia ones. But for me, this is five out of five Dr. Diabetes's. So it's it's yeah. really fun. For me, it's still fun to sit there and watch it. Like That's what I'm saying when, when I was talking about the fun part of it and that I was still in awe of things. And that's why I'm giving it a five. Like I wasn't expecting to be still in that area. I mean, like I still love this. It's probably going to be a four out of five. But the fact that I was able to sit back and still be amazed and even learning a couple of the things – like some of the stuff was new stuff, going in and researching what people thought about, you know, who's the thing at the end of the movie. Yeah. Looking at, you know, looking at the guy. I just always watch this, right? 
So this is the first time I actually did research and found out just like you, the guy was 22 that did the effects. Yeah. That makes me just – and then learning – reading that before watching it and then looking at the way that they looked and being like, Jesus Christ, dude, you're 22 and you did that? Like I understand a lot of 22-year-olds and a lot of 18-year-olds and a lot of 15-year-olds probably can do – I've seen some really great horror like makeup from like teenagers. Yeah. You know? Their imagination is still never, intact. Exactly. They're not fucking defeated by a company. Life. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's just amazing to to see that stuff still, for me, hold up and that I enjoyed it so much and didn't, like, get bored. Is the ending, to me, still a little bit of a – it feels like a little bit of a cop-out? Right. Yeah, because of the way it ends. But I can understand it and appreciate it as a whole. And even the beginning, uh, get rid of the alien. That's about it. Like, don't show the ship crashing down here. Especially now that you've made that prequel. Maybe you could just remove it from the thing or something. <laughs> I don't know. But that's that's it for the end of the episode. And uh, thank you very much for actually coming along and, and spending your time on a Saturday to come out and record yeah. with me for over three hours. Jesus Christ. Hey, dude. I know. We did a long, long episode for here. You gave you a couple of people. You love this movie. What can we say? Well, what can I say? We talked about a lot, too. So is there anything that you have to plug for the audience? Yes. Okay. So I have a YouTube channel. Um, I sing. I, maybe my voice sounds like ass on here. But I swear, <laughs> when I start singing, it's not that bad. So you just, like, literally look up Susie Morales. And it's the one with the singing, not the one with the makeup. There's a girl on there. There's a girl on She's there. She's my name. She has more subscribers, so people want to click on that one. But All right, so if, stay away from the makeup person. Well, if you're into makeup, go to her. Yeah, for sure. But if not, then go check me out. All right. Is there anything else that you want to promote out there? No, but, like, everyone just pressure Brian to, like, keep me on his podcast <laughs> for the future. And do episodes and let her pick the movie. Yes. That's where she can go. So... Uh, past the plugs, I'll say my stuff at the end, but I forgot that we had to do what movie we're doing next. So you get to listen to the next trailer, uh, that we're going to go Setting. through. So, uh, and this one is for you, Neil. Um, we're going to go out there and we're, um, looking at a movie that I've been wanting to look at for a while. It's available on Amazon Prime as a, you know, if you have Prime, you can stream it for free. And it is the Velocipaster. <laughs> Follow me home. The Velocipista. A troubled priest. How long has it been since your last confession? Oh, it's been about two years. I do drugs, sell drugs, uh, murder people. The Velocipista. A beautiful girl with a dark past. Night was amazing. What are you talking about? The time you turned into a dinosaur and ate something. What? Dinosaurs. You guys talk all the time about helping people. This might actually be the first time in your life you can. By what? Killing people? Yes! Show me I need anything new. Show me you got better shit to do. Show me I'm the one this Show me I mean anything to you. Show me I mean anything to you. 
That's insane, Doug. God does not want people dead. Oh, I think God wants a lot of people. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Velocipastor is going to be the next episode of the the podcast. And we're actually going to kind of roll into a little bit of a dinosaur theme uh, where I figured out what the next movie is. But that's going to be a little bit of a secret, even though Susie over here does know. And she's not going to tell anybody. Go on my YouTube channel. I reveal all there. (laughs) All those secrets. So... Uh, with that, uh, thank you very much for being on the podcast. And as always, you know, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter, T underscore T underscore podcast, Facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast, Instagram, Terrible Terror Podcast, and check out the YouTube channel where I did an unbagging. It's like an unboxing, but there was like a magical bag, like a mixed things. <laughs> so you can go, go ahead and check out and hopefully that is up or will be up soon. So that being said, I'll see you all later. And uh, see you next time for the Velocipaster. Later. <laughs>